Welcome to the WTF Forum. The hosts do not give financial, legal, medical or any kind of advice. Opinions are their own. This broadcast contains foul language and dangerous ideas. If you need a trigger warning you are in the wrong place. Now enjoy the show. Dear partners and friends of What the fuck? Form. A very cordial welcome. The WTF Forum is a decentralized broadcast network with no governing body of any kind and is produced and distributed by a loosely affiliated ever-growing network of rogue independent content creators. This forum does not, will not, and shall not have any one location, feed, platform, or channel, but shall be shared and multiplied as nature dictates. If any listener of the following proceedings finds themselves offended, they will be asked kindly to go fuck themselves. All right, what the fuck's up, everybody? How we doing? This is Mike the Polymath coming at you from the Easy Peasy Workshop, and uh, we're going to have another good forum here. So far, we've got a small group, but as it tends to be, we may have more uh, come along the way. So for now, uh, I will pass it over to Stella Q. What's happening, Stella? That wasn't me, by the way. Yeah, we got a dog. We got a dog in the house. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's happening? Um, things, well, um, life. It's a lovely morning. We are 11, 11 a.m. in your future. Future, future. Uh, you know, everything is good. Um, my pet lizard is running around and <laughs> everything's fine. Thank you. How are you? Good, good. Yeah, we got a, we got a video of you uh feeding your pet lizard so we're one step closer to knowing what you look like although your face was still hidden so <laughs> that was fun <laughs> by design my friend yeah um, i figured i figured <laughs> yes and uh, i have some more footage because i uh, visit, visited again yesterday and we got even closer and i was actually stroking it with like a, a leaf and i'm very so, much enjoying it so this is a wild lizard that you are yes. befriending yeah has befriended me. Oh, awesome. awesome. Eastern water dragon. Too cool. Mm, I'm training a dragon. Hey, Ashley. You should write a how-to how book. Yes, you oh, should. Yeah. Great idea. Should how to that. train your dragon at the Worm Cafe. Yeah, that's right. All welcome. So what's up with you, Ashley? How you doing? Oh, hi. I'm okay. <laughs> I'm... Um, yes, I look like uh, the mad scientist here today. That's fine. Um, I'm recovering from having the crud. Mm. So Stella does oh, know yeah. all about it because yeah. I was definitely feeling it on our Not Your Mama's News um, this past week. It got really bad after that. But uh, I'm, I'm here. You know, my energy is not quite returned to full form. But um, hey, we're going to do the damn thing. You know what I mean? Warrior. Hell yeah. Love it. Well, you know, it's okay. If you don't have the energy, uh, maybe I can bring it. I'll do my best. Um, this is something that we all figured we should have covered on the last episode uh, because it's pretty well said. This is a comedian. Um, his name is Ryan Long, and he does a good job of kind of summarizing uh, the predicament that many normies find themselves in as far as who to support. Right. 
Should I should I let this play and we'll take it from there? Sounds I love good. this guy. Yeah, he's funny. All right, here we go. Because now I still haven't weighed in on Israel-Palestine. I honestly don't know who to post. Usually it's easy. BLM, bang. Ukraine, bang. COVID, bang. Hey, did you do your Israel-Palestine post yet? I've never missed a stand. So who'd you go with? I look at my phone, I see a lot of Republicans supporting Israel. So I go, maybe stay away from that. Then I see a lot of the people we've been calling Nazis supporting Palestine. But then get this, the people that we've been calling them Nazis with are happy Israel's getting attacked. Riddle me that. But there really is no easy answer here. It's never come to that's literally what I was saying, man. Because normally it's pretty easy. I just want to post one of the flags and sort of be done with it. It's, I'm getting yelled at if I post Palestine. I'm getting yelled at if I post Israel. Obviously, I was at the front lines of getting mad at Kanye West when he was doing the anti-Semitism stuff. Everyone was thanking me for standing up for the Jewish community. So naturally, I'm seeing this happen. I go, okay, we're back with the Jews again. I see Kylie Jenner post for Israel. I think, okay, the word's in. Then boom, she's getting killed on every angle. So it's not Israel. So I start doing a bit more research. I'm seeing queers for Palestine. And generally, you want to be on the side of the queers. If you look at the things, you're not going to get in trouble if you go with what the queers are saying. And Mia Khalifa, who we obviously support, is posting with the queers. And she's getting fired from her job. The whole reason I'm posting this is to get in better standing with my job. And by the way, I started to see that your silence is noted post popping up. So we're running out of fucking time here. You had to pick. I would stay out of it like I told you. Feels like we like decolonizing. What, what is decolonizing? Is that just like killing the people? I know to you, it might be like, oh, who cares? What do you think? A buddy of mine booked a Geico commercial from his Ukraine TikTok. So it happened. What is what is decolonizing? Is that like just killing everybody? I mean, <laughs> I think it's intermingling everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's just funny. Um, like I said, I think he does a decent job summarizing the predicament that many, um, many young Americans in particular find themselves in, because I think if you're an older American, you have already made your mind up. As far as israel goes but a lot of young folks are like oh well i i see people that you know i want to agree with backing both sides so what the fuck do i do i don't know what to do somebody tell me what to do you know <laughs> yeah yeah what should i think now right yeah i i mean and i have to admit i have felt that way to an extent uh, not necessarily like I feel like I have tried to have a level uh, take on what is happening and try to look at the actual history, try to look at the facts and the context of the situation and like the emotional um, reactions that people are having and not really have that and like begging them, please understand war propaganda, atrocity propaganda, please don't lose your critical thinking here. But I will say that it has been quite a trip to see, um, hey, Fido, to see people on the left seem to be supporting something that's common sense for once. Um, and then all the people that I thought on the right, who I thought were aware, awake of the PSYOP, of the propaganda, all that stuff. And they've been completely like their MK Ultra programming has been completely triggered and they've lost their minds and they're just like back to the same old neocon cons warmongering conservatives it's, it's a weird place to be you know yeah uh, sometimes what they what we would refer to as reactions i'm sure they uh, probably refer to them as fallout <laughs> it's like they're just watching the fallout from this particular psyop it's not dead babies. It's collateral damage. You know, it just, mm. it, it's just about words, but yeah, let's welcome, 
let's wa- uh, let's welcome Fido to the room. How you doing, Fido? Hey, everybody. Hello. Uh, I'm glad to catch y'all this week. The last couple of weeks have been kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it seems like I they've been really crazy, and I hadn't got anything done, but I've been crazy busy. So uh, I actually managed to snag some time to jump on here with you guys. So what are we talking about? Well, we're <laughs> so far we just hopped kind of back into the Israel Palestine thing. But as I was saying ah. um, to Stella and Ashley before we went live, you know, I I don't want to focus on the minutia. I want to take it to thirty thousand feet. Um, what I kind of think we're going to talk about is the idea of ethnocentrism as a whole, where um, despite everything else, the number one thing that matters is your identity group, your, your tribe, if you will. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. I see, I see this pattern kind of recurring and I think we're going to kind of pursue it, but we, um, before we get into the serious stuff, I thought we would just admire the the finest set of balls that I've seen in quite some time. And they happen to appear on the chin of our president. So um, (laughs) hang on here a second. There we go. Check this out. The audio is horrible, but I'm going to play it anyhow, just so we can observe the raw footage of where all these chin ball memes are coming from. All right. Virtually every mass shooting, every circumstance where a large number of people have been victimized and lost, I spoke to them. I learned a long time ago what you've all learned in your life. When someone's going through something, it was beyond their comprehension that they ever thought they'd have to go through. If they see someone who they think understands or maybe they through something not the same but similar, it gives them some sense of hope. Okay, I'm pausing. Like I said, the audio is horrible, but I when I woke up and saw these memes about the chin balls, I was very confused. And then I watched this video and I'm like, yeah, they're real. They're real. Our president has a, a a weird thing going on with his face where his chin appears to be sagging. Does anybody have any theories about what we're looking at here? None that I would like to broadcast, um, but <laughs> but I just feel like somebody just beforehand said, okay, Joe, be careful how you move your head because you haven't worn this mask in yet. All right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So if it's not like a, a, you know, hey, someone may think it sounds crazy for them to wear a mask, but I'm telling you, something weird is going on. If you look at, if you just do the minimum amount of digging of like the Joe Biden clone meme or whatever, I mean, there's like eight different looking creatures of this, uh, first of all. But I would say that in um, a more normal 
explanation, I would say that looks like filler gone wrong because when filler is injected into the face, if it's not done correctly and it's not like moved correctly and put into the correct place, then you can get pockets that look strange. But even on the like the worst plastic surgery stuff that I have seen, I don't know that I've ever seen it that bad. His whole face looks yeah. stiff. I mean, it looks like the whole thing has either been injected or it's a mask. But, I mean, it's sort of appropriate to have balls on his chin because he's a dickhead. He is a huge dickhead. He is a massive, massive dickhead. Yeah. I, To me, you know, I'm like, either this dude's just old and his face is sagging and the Botox has worn off or this is not the guy. That you would know? not be from Botox. No. No, now stiff, what it, I think it could be um, like filler getting dissolved or something, but it looks like filler gone wrong. But Botox is when it wears off, it's quite gradual. So it wouldn't be like a sudden sagging like that. What you would see is on the um, if you're if you're not watching, if you're only listening, we're show Mike has two images of Biden up right now. One of them looks like a normally aged male. That's on my left. I don't know if it's on the viewer's left or, or whatever. But anyway, so basically like Botox would be done between the brows and the forehead, right? So you just wouldn't see movement in those areas of the face, right? They would look smooth. But when he was making a normal facial expression like squinting or something like that, you would see them you, with Botox. You would not see that type of movement, but it would not necessarily indicate sagging. Like it can do that if somebody is doing like filler Botox, filler Botox constantly. But the if it's just Botox, then it's just going to gradually wear off. And then you're going to start seeing the movement between the forehead and between the eyes there again. So what you see with chin balls is something totally different. It looks like filler to me. If, if we're not doing mask or clone thing, then it looks like filler gone wrong. Chin filler. The thing is, his whole face, though, it looks really stiff and his, you know, top lip, which could have been just done. And I also think that, you know, if he's being sculpted by probably the best surgeons or whatever, they would never let him go out looking like that. You know what I mean? No. Like they'd go, oh, hang on just a minute, Joe. We just got to fix up the chin a little bit there. Yeah, it wouldn't be done that suddenly either. The thing is with filler, to notice your full results normally is up to a two week time frame. And his face does look smooth. I mean, he doesn't even look like the same person. Even if somebody no. had a facelift, he looks totally different. He looks pale. He his whole skin, his whole face looks just like you said, smooth. It's like um, plastic. Yeah. Silicone also, or something. Also, his hair doesn't also, look real either. Hey, also did you notice have you look at the picture again? Do you see the earlobes? The one on the right, the earlobes are attached. The one on the left, they're not. Yeah, yeah Stella has been uh, talking about that a good amount. And and that's true. In there, these like eight different pictures of Joe Biden, there's all these issues with like the, the earlobe catch and all kinds of other weird things. And you feel like you're being um, messed with, you mm, know? Very much what, so. What the there was fuck a... is going on here? Two other things too. One other thing is that he's got a very high neck zipped up um, top on, you know, Correct. to cover the, 
the bottom. Um, and the other thing is with the way he was turning his head, it was almost like he had a sore neck. And that's like, well, he just looks like he's carefully turning. Like he's turning enough to make people go, oh, we'll see he's moving. So, but not enough to make it look fluid or natural. So it's like he's being very careful to not let the seams come out. That, <laughs> he's moving. That, <laughs> it reminds that video, you. I was just going to say the video, he's literally like nervously covering his face as if he's aware that his yes his yes. features are fucked up it's like yep. there's like an uh self um he's so, self-aware about it he's self-consciousness he's of his movements yeah he's conscious about it yeah yep doing just enough to make and, it look like he's moving naturally but he's not you know what i mean it, it's it sounds like fido's got a few thoughts i just wanted to say you know what i found most interesting i woke up to these memes I've been kind of halfway unplugged. I, it's been a busy week, so I have not been on Twitter. Uh, but when I saw this stuff, my initial gut reaction was like, oh, my God, like, I don't even fucking care. And then I was self-aware of that reaction where it's like, I'm somebody who pays attention, who who already is suspicious about the image they're putting in front of us. And here's like some relatively concrete evidence that something is amiss and i'm so desensitized to it already that i'm just like fuck it like who cares you know and that's kind of sad because it's like guess what our fucking president's face is falling off can anybody give me a good answer here <laughs> i um, should we care can... i should care we can give you the um we can give you a, our best guess and it's either going to be um, uh, fall under the conspiracy theory uh, category or it's going to fall under the batshit crazy category. Um, either one of them is potentially uh, possible uh, because I haven't seen any other explanation for why his face is looking the way it does, why it transforms the way that it does. Because his isn't the only one that does it, but mm. his is the most by far probably the most uh, documented, I could, I guess you could say, because he is the president. Um, yes. And people have been watching this for years. Um, and it wasn't really until, I think, uh, his second, probably his second uh, re-election, if that's what you want to call it, his selection, the, when he got re-elected. Uh, that's when I think I really saw an uptick in a lot of the posts and commentary about how his face is different. So... Um, there's plenty of documentation out there if people are willing to look. But the, to me, the most telling is not just the way his face sits on his head anymore. It's his ears. Because those mm. you cannot, those are different for everybody. Everybody's ears are different. Kind of like fingerprints. And yeah. for, for, his, for one person to have so many different ear types, something's going on. I, I can't explain it. I can't, I don't have any kind of proof, but there's something going on. At least to me. Yeah. I often make the joke, oh, which one have we got today? Is this long lobes or short lobes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And that's simplifying it for us, I think, Stella, because yeah. I, I wonder how, you know, I don't know. I, I just feel like there's like at least 
four to eight of these motherfuckers out there. <laughs> well, he's and, an old man, and who knows if he's even still alive, the original one. There's probably a, a few of them that had to step in because it's like, ooh, we're stretching this out a bit, aren't we? <laughs> well, you know, I can, I, can, I can show you several different pictures of me from different angles, and I look somewhat yeah, exactly. different, but I look I'm this, but it's the same. Per you can tell it's the same person. Whereas with Joe Biden, I can show you four or five different pictures. It looks like a completely different person. Yep. As someone who does or has done a number of quite a lot of photography portraiture with photography, um, yeah, just the lighting itself can very much change how somebody looks. Just that. So and then the you've camera got angle. then you've got angles. Then you've got uh, resolution as well. That can make a very big difference um, of the photo you know if it's a copy of something and a copy and it's de degenerated a little bit and can make someone look smoother and younger but yeah generally um you can kind of tell when there's just something wrong <laughs> it's just not right yeah something's just not right you're muted mike i almost suspect um that the propagandists are getting lazy right Partly because of my own response of like, oh, who even fucking cares? Like, I already know he's full of shit. But like, it's it's sort of this thing where if you if you fuck with people long enough and you don't get much backlash, you're just gonna like get lazy about it, right? And I I don't know how many Bidens there are. I don't care. But like, I will never be able to convince normies that there's more than one no matter how hard i try or how much evidence i show you know right well and then to your point about not caring or you know whatever sure i think the apathy is part of it like we were talking about a little bit before the show because i think that uh when you continuously like are getting people used to living in like a really weird time where nothing makes sense and I think that's part of the psychological warfare against us. And even if we did get so-and-so to believe that there's a clone of Joe Biden, what difference does that actually even make? Whatever. Okay, fine. That's the least of my worries. If you believe this, there's so catch up sister or brother. Cause there's a lot more that you need to understand than there's two Bidens that might be part of it, but it's a tiny little piece in a, 10,000 piece puzzle. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think the propaganda overload is, it's like, and the reality distortion. I mean, that's just to screw with us, obviously, and to muddy the waters as well, because if there's enough of that nonsense around, we, we get those exact things like, I don't care, I'm not paying attention anymore, what have you. So and that's, that's part of where they're trying mm -hmm. to steer us. But it also serves to make us look like complete idiots. So if they're um, sort of putting it out there and they're making it really obvious to people who are actually tuned in and watching, but yet many, many normies would still not see these obvious things. So it's sort of like, it's just, they wouldn't, they won't even give you the time of day to sit down and look at the video of it. And so that you can say, see, a lot of them won't. I'm not saying all, but um, a couple of my friends, they won't even, they won't even let me finish a sentence anymore, you know, because it's like, that's just too confronting. It, yeah, whatever it is. I don't know. I'm not even going to try to bloody, but yeah, mm -hmm. I think part of the, um, part of that is to make us look like bloody idiots. It's, it's gaslighting in the next phase, right? We've, uh, we've shown you enough truth to get you on the hook. Now we're going to so show you all the truth so that you sound, you know, it's like, I remember, um, 
there one of my favorite shows is called community and uh in there's an episode of community where there's like a secret society and they have hitler in the corner frying paninis with an american astronaut like chopping up you know slicing the bread and and the whole point is like we want you to sound crazy if you tell anybody what you've seen here tonight. Why do you think we have Hitler frying up paninis? Because we want it to be insane on its surface. Right? So there's that. Um, I've got this speech of, of Biden, and what I found most interesting was the last like five minutes. Uh, Stella and Drew covered this on the propaganda report. And I was listening and kind of screaming to myself um, about like, oh, you guys didn't even hear it. There's a moment. There's a moment in here that I thought was particularly like a Freudian slip, you know, the truth wanting to come out. Um, now, I've got it kind of buried, so I'm going to play. I'm going to play it for a few minutes. We might pause and talk, but uh, the big punchline, you know, when we get to it, we'll see if anybody notices. Here we go. All forms, all forms of hate, whether against Muslim, Jews, or anyone. That's what great nations do. And we are a great nation. On Ukraine, I'm asking Congress to make sure we can continue to send Ukraine the weapons they need to defend themselves and their country without interruption. So Ukraine can stop Putin's brutality in Ukraine. They are succeeding. When Putin invaded Ukraine, he thought he would take Kyiv and all of Ukraine in a matter of days. Well, over a year later, Putin has failed, and he continues to fail. Kyiv still stands because of the bravery of the Ukrainian people. Ukraine has regained more than 50% of the territory Russian troops once occupied, backed by U.S.-led coalition of more than 50 countries around the world, all doing its part to support Kyiv. Okay, I'm pausing there real quick to point out that he he mentions that there's a 50-country coalition led by the United States dedicated to protecting Kiev. Kiev. I'm going to say Kiev because Kiev is gay and fake. Kiev is the <laughs> Good correct pronunciation. It's always been that way until yep. just here recently. They've been trying to change it. I have no idea why, but it's like because they're, it's yeah, they're trying to screw with people. Because they're trying to gaslight us on everything. I, yeah. I, I've mentioned it already, but I got into a bit of an argument at the pub with people telling me I shouldn't call it Turkey. It's pronounced Turkey A. And I, I got That's some bullshit. I got into it with them because I go <laughs> I go, hold up. I go, hold up. I speak American English. I go, if I'm in Mexico, <laughs> am I gonna say United States of America or am I gonna say Estados? Unidos, right? If I'm in America and I'm talking about Turkey, I'm going to say Turkey. If I'm in Turkey, maybe I will say Turkey A, right? <laughs> if I'm trying to speak the language. But guess what? I don't I don't use umlauts and accent marks. Yeah, fuck umlauts. Yeah. I don't that's not that's not in my language. And so you're forcing me to pronounce a word that in order to pronounce correctly, you must spell with an umlaut and an accent mark. I'm sorry, that is not in my vernacular. I was I was taught to say Russia 
and Ukraine and fucking. In fact, I was raised. It was the Ukraine, if I'm not mistaken, yes. as if as if it was a region and not a country. But that's neither here nor there. But, you know, the, it's the capturing of the language to gaslight you because, oh, what you think, you know, you don't know. You're crazy. It was it's uh, not Turkey. It's Turkey. A. I remember um, it was a uh, maybe maybe last year or something when all this BS was going there. When we right after we realized they were trying to change how you pronounce Kiev, we were watching an episode of. um, um Oh shoot! What's the name? That show with um, Richard Hammond and um, James May. Top Gear. Top Gear. Yes, I was going to say Grand Theft something, whatever. And I was like, that's not it. Well, there's <laughs> there's Gear. Grand. There's also Ooh. Grand Tour, but it's the same Grand show. Tour. That's, just... that's what I was thinking of. Okay, so Grand anyway, yeah. so we were watching an episode of Top Gear, and they were doing one of their little road trip things, and they went through Ukraine, and they actually drove past Chernobyl, and they entire time they kept saying. Uh, Kiev, Kiev this, Kiev that, Kiev this, Kiev that. And that was, that episode was probably, I think, uh, 10 years ago or so. And they were saying it then. And I was like, and I pointed it out to my husband. And I was like, you know, see, they even they say it, the, you know, they say it the way we've always been saying it. And that the whole Kiev thing has been just a recent um, BS that they've been trying to push on us. Well, I know when I go to the pub, I order a chicken Kiev. <laughs> exactly but though I, I don't think I've ever had one of those <clears throat> oh they're pretty good so, I do recommend them so uh, they do talk about that recipe in uh, <laughs> Orange is the New Black Fido if you want that random uh, tidbit <laughs> and I was going to make the joke when Fido was talking um, America's next top country because <laughs> that's how it's being played, right? America picks who's the good guys and then, um, you know, they swindle us and steal and, you know, cause worldwide havoc. Um, good call. And the other thing is, when did Americans become so pretentious that, that, they're, that they're correcting you on your pronunciation of turkey? Yeah, yeah. Like, what, who the fuck cares? Okay, you say turkey, great, good for you. You want a medal? Well, it was kind of funny because I got called out for like, it was almost overwhelming. You know, I I got called out for saying turkey instead of turkey A. And then immediately afterwards, there were basically two two guys. They're both left-leaning, but I get along with them. You know, these are guys I know from the bar. And um, one of them says, oh, don't say turkey, say turkey A, whatever. And I'm like, fuck that. You know, I, I push back. So I, you know, when I push back, they push back, right? This is how... This is how it goes. And um, the one guy was like, you know, he follows me on Instagram. He, and I had literally the day before made a point of using the word retard and making a point as to why I should be allowed to use the word retard. Because sh if shit's retarded, I'm going to call it retarded. And um, so he brings that up. He's like, yeah, this is coming from the guy who thinks you should use the word retard. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'll say whatever the fuck I want. I'm sorry. Like, you know, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And and the one guy who was all been out of shape about Turkey, he goes, well, if you know something's wrong, why would you continue to say it? I'm like, wrong. well, okay. <laughs> well, I guess, you know, we'll find out what's wrong and what isn't. I, I had I didn't really have much to say. I, I basically was 
at that point kind of like all right i'm done with this thank you check please i'm leaving but um you know people people want to be right and they love to point out when you're wrong and they don't want to read between the lines of the point of what you're trying to say. Oh, yeah, the, they uh, want to just yeah. pick apart the words. Mm-hmm. And the other they thing want to argue, I, they want to argue over stuff that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And the I other like thing that point. I was going to say, I think that it's actually more dangerous than that though. And I'll tell you why, because if you were a predator, a global predator elite, and you wanted to, and I, I'm, I'm not arguing over fascism or communism or whatever. This is totalitarianism. This is digital gulag. Okay, so call it whatever you want to call it. But if you were trying to implement that, and we know that they have learned from every failure or every success in every war, in every coup, in everything that they've done for the last 2,000 years on this earth, we know that they've been learning, right? So the point of that is that they want people to snitch on each other snitch culture matters in a totalitarian state we saw that they tried to really get that going and in some cases were highly successful during the scandemic so the problem that i really have with somebody saying it's turkey a is the fact that these are the same motherfuckers that are going to be snitching on you that oh you can't say the word retard why not you this is supposed to be a free country, okay? You may not like it, but that does not make the decision on whether or not I am allowed to say it. So that's the reason that I think it's dangerous is because these are the same motherfuckers that are going to be snitching on you um, whenever shit hits the fan once again. They need snitch culture. They're desperate for snitch culture. And these are the kind of people that are sucking the dick of snitch culture. Well, it's, people... called the, uh, it's called uh, self-policing in the Panopticon when the when the prisoners are basically self-regulating and they are they they know they're being watched. Well, and in in, in um, Mike's friend's case, they don't. It's not that they know they're being watched, but they're falling right into that whole self-policing thing. Oh well, we we need to do right because um, you know some BS reason of honor and whatever they're they don't even have a good reason for causing an an argument amongst each other over the correct pronunciation of a country which isn't even something worth arguing over if you know we've all we've all been taught that it's called turkey it's it's always been that way and now they want to make an argument out of it for what purpose and it's because they've fallen into that whole self-policing paradigm yeah, and, and I would it's, have been... it's not going to stop there. It's only going to get worse. Sorry, Fido. It's okay. I would, have, I would have been asking that fella, when did you start saying Turkey A, mate? When when did you start saying that? Like, when <laughs> when did you first hear that? <laughs> That's what I would have said anyway. Yeah, but, um, that was they, 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 question, that Stella. That's a great question and a great, like, you're not even getting emotional. You're just like, all right, when did you do that? Yeah. Last yeah. time I heard you talking, you said fucking Turkey. It's the same thing as like most people would never have been able to point out where Ukraine was on a map before 2020, you know, that, or 2021, whenever that happened. But I mean, they, they, big, you know, big T, they, TM, got their way because uh, there was yet another little form of division there. You, you were a little bit divided with your mates over something that really didn't matter that much. But uh, good for you for standing up for it. Well, but, I um, did a little, I looked into it and apparently the country itself put out like a press release. 
saying uh, we want to okay. we want to be pronounced this way. It's on the news, so, so this guy is obviously a mainstream news watcher. Would that yeah, be correct? Yeah, I, I, I okay. would guess. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Did Turkey like, also change their gender? Yeah. Well, and we have I to mean, respect that because their press release. That's my point. I'm like, I don't give a fuck what some guy said in a press release. Like, what's the what's the precedent here? Like, what are we what are we subjecting ourselves to? What are we bowing down to? What? There's no, you can't speak your own language anymore. There can't be different pronunciations for the same concept. It's insane. It's insane. Yeah, these these are like the Karens. They're they're, they're the bars. They're they're the bars of our cages. These people. It's like they have sort of set things off, and now it's like the people are just <laughs> organizing it, bringing in our loss of freedom themselves in amongst each other. Because yeah, they, once they start dobbing on each other and doing all that sort of thing, it's um. Just like Black Mirror, isn't it? Hmm. Yet again. It's that whole uh, slippery slope of changing words and changing meanings and definitions of words. You know, it's kind of like, yeah. it's a little bit off topic, but it's kind of in the same vein. Um, I was, I came up, I just happened to come across an article where, um, I think it was a, reason it was a New York Post article. I don't even know how it showed up, but it was talking about how the, uh, the younger, the 30 somethings, have been using a phrase uh, out of pocket when saying that they're going to be out of the office or away from their desk or indisposed. Instead of say, just saying, I'm, I'm going to be away from my desk, they're going to say, I'm out of pocket. And they're like, well, that doesn't mean what they think it means. They think it means uh, the younger than 30s think it means um, having, a, having a bad time, like on a, a, a mental health break or like a psychotic break or something, they, they've taken it to mean that. And it's like, that's not what that means either. No, it means you so, paid money out of it, your it own means pocket. You paid money out of your own pocket is what it means. I'm out of pocket. It's like, I've, you know, I had to, um, I had to pay money out of my own pocket. Not, um, yeah. it wasn't on a tab. It wasn't on a credit card bill. I will, you know, and I'm like, all of y'all are using this wrong. <laughs> and it's just, it goes back to the whole changing the meaning of phrases and slang and, and term terminology that people use to communicate to muddy the waters and i'm like okay so the younger generation wants the older generation to keep up with the changing slang and uh vernacular the common vernacular which is okay but they're taking the stuff that was our, already had use that already had instead of coming up with their own they're just re retooling repurposing old phrases and, and words and some of the words are brand like new I've never heard of, but they're that one out of pocket. They've taken it and completely changed its meaning. I'm like, oh well, if enough people agree on the meaning of a word, that's and that's what it means. It's like, well, I guess that's how it works. But I mean, you can't sit there and expect everybody else to keep up with you if you're going to just constantly change the meaning of phrases. And it just goes back to that whole generational divide again. Sure. And is it part of the uh, psychological warfare as well? I mean, I think it's a pretty tried and true practice, right? Because we know uh, new speak is not, it's not new. <laughs> um, so I think that the, you know, we know about new speak because it is a tactic that does work in a totalitarian society. It does. Yeah. Um, couldn't agree more. You know, I I don't want to. It's kind of like what we're going to do here is we're going to pick apart the words of 
our president in this speech. And I'm kind of, you know, it's like, I don't want people picking apart my words. So it's, it's <laughs> a little bit, <laughs> right. Right. No, you're not, not the president. Apart. You're not the president. I'm the not United the president. States. I'm not the president. Amen. And also, and also, um, I don't know. Yeah. I, I guess my point is, I don't have a point. I'm sorry. Well, I'm I don't. Play... Personally, personally, I don't mind if somebody picks apart my words because sometimes mm -hmm. my meaning doesn't get across. So if somebody mm -hmm. takes the, takes my meaning uh, a way that I didn't intend, I want to hear about it because I want to set the record straight. Sure, that's a good point. Um, and one thing that I would also say is that uh, good for Mike because Mike just doesn't fucking put up with people's nonsense. He just doesn't suffer fools. So if somebody comes at him with some nonsense, they're going to get pushback for it. Me, because I have a lot of baggage surrounding conflict resolution and management, I would just be like, we're not here. You know, I'm just not going to do it. And uh, I don't think that's the best way. And I've seen many examples where Mike, uh, of you know, just in our conversations here of saying like, no, so-and-so said this, and it doesn't really seem to matter where they are in your life, like family, friends, or whatever. You just are Mike. Like you just are honest with them. I feel like Stella is uh, a lot of that way too. And they're, they're just going to call you on your BS. And I really admire that because I, I think it matters in this current time to have um, transparency. Now, I also think that Fido does that as well. I, I haven't heard as many anecdotal stories, but I do know that Fido is uh, very much in that, you know, she wants people to, to at least have heard the facts. At least that's my understanding um, from our relationship so far. So I commend that because it's something that I, I don't necessarily go towards that because of my own personal hangups surrounding, you know, um, provisional self-esteem if someone's mad at me, uh, you know, but a lot of that is my own personal baggage, but it still affects me telling people like, are you serious right now? Like, do you, you know, sometimes I just feel like I would feel better to get it off of my chest. And I think that you three do a really good job at that. So, um, bravo to you for not suffering fools. Well, Ashley, I will say this, um, as, as far as, um, learning how to deal with um, being called out on your bullshit. Um, my husband and I utilize that tactic in our relationship. And we've, we came to that agreement early on when we would have our arguments. Um, we both agreed that if either of us did or said something that was bullshit, we would flat out just say, hey, man, that's bullshit. And we would talk about it. We would get angry about it at first, but then we'd get over it and then we talk about it. And it takes practice. And having someone who's willing to not let the bullshit in the relationship or in the friendship or in the encounter and be willing to work through it. And it does take both sides working at it. And so sure. my, husband, my husband will tell you that um, I don't put up with his bullshit anymore. And I call him out on it every chance I get. Yeah. And he does the same. He does the same for me. And so it's. Yeah. Hanging, hanging around people who call you on your bullshit is the best thing, is the best friends that you can have. 
I will just say that. Sure. In, in that particular situation, that is uh, in, in very good shape as far as me being able to express uh, myself and ask questions, stuff like that. But that's a great point. It's more in the more ancillary people in my life, right? Like friends right. and family that I struggle with and don't necessarily get into uh, some sort of a, a calling them out for my fear of conflict with them. Uh, but I agree with you. It, it really does help you find who your people are, right? Because if there are people that are willing to have that honest dialect with you back and forth, then that's a winner, winner, chicken dinner. Oh yeah. And one other thing um, on that part, as far as calling each other out, we don't do it to each other in public. We do it in private. We, we don't embarrass each other that way in public. So something that we did, we wait until we're um, somewhere where uh, nobody else could hear us. And, you know, cause then we have it out and then we can say whatever is on our minds and usually quite a lot. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, we don't, we don't seek to embarrass each other in public when it comes to calling each other out on bullshit. So that's, that's another important caveat to remember. So yeah, that's it. I'd just like to say, well, thank you, Ashley, for saying that, because I do appreciate someone seeing that as a positive for a change. Oh yeah. I'm proud of you, lady. <laughs> I, I mean that, you know that. Thank you. You've been a very good friend. And um, I'd just like to ask Mike, <laughs> yeah, um, me too. Um, uh, do you get in trouble with that too? <laughs> Calling you, being like... 2020 on, man, I just decided, and I've said it before, authenticity is a new currency for me. And I'm not going to put up with the small talk bullshit. I'm not going to put up with the having to sprinkle sugar on everything bullshit. And, you know, trying to come back to be a little bit more tactful these days. But um, it's just like, it, it is a shock, especially to people who you've always been predictable to. And, you know, I've been through many times in my life where I've been taken advantage of so many times because I wasn't like that. And I didn't stand up for myself. And I didn't, I just went along with it you know, just, just took the orders or what have you. And it's like, it, that was something about 2020. It was just like, right, things are different now. Things have just radically changed. So I could just see authenticity and honesty is going to be absolutely mandatory, <laughs> that, that word, but it is going to be essential for um, facing what's to come because we, there's, time's running out. We don't have time for bullshit anymore. We need to get things done. We need to get ideas across. Um, and we need to decide that if what we're trying to say is just rejected, 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 we'll just don't throw your pearls to swine, basically. Move on. Um, but, yeah, I do appreciate that. And it's, as much as it does piss people off, some people have actually – I have seen um, it being challenged in people, like long term, of people who have sort of started being a little bit more authentic with themselves. And I'm talking about some people that might be around me and close to me or what have you. Um, and it's it's subtle, but it, it it's it's good, yeah. So sorry if I've ever hurt anyone being honest, but <laughs> I'm gonna keep doing it. <laughs> it it's kind of a tough thing though. It's not like always easy to be honest. Um, and honestly, yeah. like at times, I wished I had bit my tongue. Yeah, yep, had many of them. At, at times. Um, yeah, I've wondered about that, Mike, because I feel like you've paid a personal price for it. Um, you know, and from what I have heard you talk about, you know, a, a painful personal price. But it also matters to 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 stand your ground, because if, if they're 
opinion is that strong for them to tell you that you need to be that way, then it also should matter for you to be able to express your opinion back to them. Yeah, that's a really good point. Really great point. Hmm. And everybody's going to see things differently. We've got to respect our individuality, etc. So there's that. Um, it's just finding that balance of when to sort of leave things alone, I suppose. But to be honest, I'd rather be it's funny when people say to be honest, it means, oh, yeah, I've been bullshitting to you all this time, except now I'm going to be honest. <laughs> but, no, but like to be really confronting, I would rather be alone than have a bunch of bullshitters around me, to be honest. Yeah. So <laughs> to be honest, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I just lose my patience, which is not always a virtue, but like I lose my patience with the pleasantries at a certain point when something needs to be said that, has gone unsaid i tend to say it i don't know and it hurts at times to be that guy right which is why i'm like man i wish i had more patience yep <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I can I, totally relate totally yeah relate. and i think be that careful that what is... you wish for <laughs> yeah, yeah um yeah, true but I do think that that's, you know, we all have things that we want to work on in our interpersonal skills, right? That we wish uh, were better. And that that doesn't mean we wish they're better now, but that doesn't mean that they're not going to get better, you know? And we do have mm -hmm. a, friends and we do have community that we can talk to about this stuff and we can work on our patients. And something that um, I've learned about recently in autonomy is that a lot of times when people are being aggressive, it's based in their frustration. So when whenever we lose patience, it's likely, you know, because we're frustrated. So that means that we can start recognizing that pattern in ourselves and maybe step back and have a little time between our reaction and start working on how do we want to approach this situation? Because it doesn't necessarily mean that we have to approach it at that time. It doesn't mean that how we've been doing things as ourself is wrong, but it does mean that we can get better and we have opportunity for growth in going forward in how we deal with people. Yeah, I totally agree. That's that's really I think the difference you're talking about is, is approaching it in a mature sort of um, in a way that you really do authentically want to work something out as opposed to the emotional uh, response and the, you know, fight flight sort of, I mean, God knows I'm, I'm definitely guilty of it myself, but ideally you don't bring the emotions into it as a reaction. You try to separate that because that is how things can get worked out practically. It, it, I just wanted to address what um, Phyto said before. It's so so true. Careful what you wish for, because <laughs> it's it's almost like be careful how you pray. Because um, if I mean, there's a difference between praying for, oh, please give me this, as opposed to thank you for this. Um, so it's like believing you've already received it, and that makes a really big difference. To can you can you can you give me this, Lord? Because and and basically, it's like yeah, careful what you wish for, because it's like you want patience. Okay, I'm going to send you this, and you're going to learn patience from it. <laughs> so it's like you could be us inviting in a whole bunch of. Um, I mean, it's going to happen anyway. You're going to have lessons, etc. But I don't know the power of words. So every time I've ever asked for the Lord to give me patience, He's given me something to be patient about. And exactly. It's been, yeah. it's been some quite difficult lessons. And um, so even when I'm trying to um, avoid an argument in people and I'm trying to um, uh, maybe I think, OK, so 
they're they're pushing back because they don't understand what I'm saying. So let me rephrase it in a different way. And I ask that question, they still push back. And then it just ends up devolving into like this argument over stuff that doesn't matter in semantics. And it's like, I'm not getting my point through. And I'm like, you know what? I'm done with this argument. We're not even, and it's not even supposed to be an argument. It's supposed to be a discussion. And I'm tired of it already. So <laughs> I'm just, yeah, I'm like, yeah. I'm done. Never mind. Just, you know what? It doesn't even matter. <laughs> That's the other art form too is um, not only just sort of knowing how to work it out but knowing when to walk away and knowing when to yeah. run. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I, I also wanted to um, just throw in another thing about this. So uh, another thing that that I think is something that I'm starting to try to keep in mind is my communication style, right? If I look at my communication or if I look at truth, for example, as a product, that I want to sell people, then that means that I, and I don't mean sell them in a way that's going to benefit me. I mean, sell them in a way that's going to um, facilitate their awakening process or facilitate some critical thinking, which I think is to the benefit of all of us. Then I want to start looking at my sales technique and what is most successful, right? You know, the, the old adage that you get more flies with honey. Okay. So that means that we have opportunity to work on our messaging, to, to approach it in a way that is more palatable to people. We have that chance. Now, of course, there's the, the question of, do I want to bother doing that? Hey, you, you might not, and that's fine. But if you have a desire to work on your messaging, then I think it can be done. So then we look at, you know, and I'm not an expert on sales techniques, but like what type of sales techniques may work in this situation? Would it be the question asking approach? Like something that we talked about in class today was the, okay, well, can you tell me about that? You know, so us coming at it from a place of curiosity and then digging in with them because most of the time they haven't dug very deep right? So you can at maybe get them to at least plant the seed of like, oh shit, I really can't defend my position here. Like you may not even have to call them out, like, but they will realize that they can't actually defend their position. Um, and maybe, you know, just questioning the logic is another way and us not getting emotional about it is helpful, but that's part of the trap because the environment that we find ourselves in, it all is emotional. It's all reactionary. It's all, you know, Ryan Long. Well, what side am I supposed to be on? So it's re a really complicated landscape here that we're dealing with. So I think we definitely should cut ourselves a break in that regard uh, because listen, it ain't easy right now out there being a fucking truther. Yeah, it ain't easy. It's <laughs> a hostile here, environment. Here. <laughs> and this I'm gonna tell you, trying to lead people to critical thinking is exhausting. And um, mm. working working with the job that I have, you know, I'll get this call that a patient needs such and such, and I'm like, okay, well, did you? And I have like all these questions. Did you do this? Did you do this? Did you do this? And half the time, I just have to ask them a couple of questions. Oh, well, when when you called the pharmacy, did they, what did they say about blah, blah, blah? Like, oh, well, we haven't called the pharmacy. I was like, maybe start there first. And, and usually that solves it. And, but it's like every single time I'm having to fly these people with questions, having to lead them and coach them. 
every single time they call me, because most of the time when they, if someone calls me, it's not supposed to be an emergency because my job is not emergency based. My job is, um, it's, it's routine, it's regular. So if you give me enough of a heads up about something, I can have it resolved and handled in a timely manner. But if you wait to the last minute, like a lot of them are prone to do, it becomes an emergency, but it's not my emergency. It's their emergency. And having to find the patience to deal with that is, it is exhausting. And I, and I it, it comes from me repeating myself over and over again. Um, it's not that they didn't, well, I say that it's not they didn't know, because most of the time they don't know because nobody ever told them, but I've told them repeatedly. <laughs> so it's just this round and round thing. It's like, I'm tired of dealing with it. And I, I, I don't honestly know what else to tell these people. Um, well, I can't, I can't, I literally cannot do their job. And I'm being told that I have to do their job. And it's like, I can't do everybody's job. I literally, I physically cannot yeah. do everybody's job. So I can't and do I, anything for them. I think part of that FIDO too is being in a helping profession. So a lot of times people that are in a helping profession are going, you know, they, they will go above and beyond until they literally can't do it anymore. So I think part of that is also us learning what, how much energy can you exert and still do a, you know, an excellent job, not a perfect job and how much, you know, and I'm not saying that's an easy balance, especially in a helping profession, especially when it comes to Western medicine and, and all of that stuff in today's day and time. But I think that part of that will also bring in our boundary work of, um, like how much can you allow yourself to give because it's draining you, right? I mean, and I don't mean specifically you, but you know what I mean? Like I how much can be taken out of the cup before we, we ain't got nothing left in the cup. Yeah. So I think that's also like a, uh, what's the word? Like a site, like a, it's an issue that goes with it, but it's not exactly the same, but they, affect our well-being you know what i mean like parallel yes. sort of thing yes i knew you would have the words lady hey <laughs> yeah i think also phyto i'm pretty sure you and i are very similar in the sense that we're probably very practical people we're sort of the logical practical ones perhaps which can be annoying to a lot of people um but they do they do look to people like that or like us sometimes um for solutions because we come up with them often of our own accord I'm, so I'm, I, I, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I'm, no, I'm I, I didn't mean that to sound like that no, either, but no, no, no. I, yeah, I know what you meant. Um, but I, I, I pride myself on being able to solve problems. I'm a, yeah, I'm a problem solver, <laughs> you know, so when somebody comes to me with a problem, I'm happy to solve the problem for them. But the problem is I've already solved the problem and nobody's following the instructions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, can totally I have right. solved. It's the problem that I've solved multiple times. And it's like nobody took notes, nobody, um, nobody listened or heard anything that I said or did, and and it's like I, it's the same problem over and over. And it's like they get they wonder why I lose my patience with them and get frustrated. It's like because you're not listening, you're not listening to a word I say. Yeah. And it's like Which... I'm telling you, you'll just do it this way, and you tell all of your coworker friends this is the way to do it. I promise you, the problem will be resolved but they don't ever tell their coworker friends. So it, it just perpetuates itself over and over and over. Yeah. It's like, which, which part of that clear instruction did you not fucking understand? 
I can't tell you how many walkthroughs I have done um, at work for different tasks. I have done walkthroughs on different kinds of um, visit notes. I've done walkthroughs on how to um, do different things in the system. And I basically have a, uh, a handbook on how to do everything. And I've given out copies of these walkthroughs and nobody reads them. Nobody looks at them. I've done all the work of solving the problem. I've done all the work of writing down the steps to prevent this problem from happening again, but nobody looks at it. Nobody takes the initiative. And it's no wonder that I'm getting burnout in my job because it's like I'm fighting, I'm, I'm shoveling the sidewalk while it's still snowing. And uh, so it's, it's, I, I, I find myself struggling to remove the emotion out of it because I did take the time to invest my, my own energy, my own time in solving the problem and writing down the solutions in a, in an easy to read format that everybody can understand. And nobody cares. <laughs> nobody cares. Nobody cares. Yeah. It's like, that was my time. You motherfucker. <laughs> Listen, yeah. nobody paid me to do this. I just did it because it was a common problem. And you guys don't want to solve any problems. Y'all just want to keep rehashing the same thing over and over. So I'm like, I'm done. It's whatever. Well, I think we just have to be stewards of um, those who can't, I suppose. That's the, probably the best way to look at it. Sort of see it as a purpose rather than a hindrance. Although, I mean, that's easy to say, harder to oh, do. I know. I, I just figured it out. What I need to do is do an infographic. And every time somebody asks me a question that's already been asked, just send them that as a response. <laughs> just carry a little blind around with you. Just read this. Come back when you've done all those steps. <laughs> yeah. uh, <Larry>. Well, <laughs> I guess I'll say um, when it comes to the truth, you can't you can't shove it down in anybody's throat, right? You can put it out there and let them come to right. it. You know, honey, not not what vinegar is that? What it is. Is the truth vinegar? I mean, <laughs> yeah. You I mean, catch more, can, uh, depending on the situation, it can be a little yeah. bit. Yeah. You catch no, more I, flies with you catch more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. But that you know, it's not it's not always feasible when you're talking about shit that gets you fucking pissed off to to be all sweet about it. Um, no, you know, I try to be just like. I, I try to live by what I say and say what I live by. So anyway, what you say and say what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I get real weird when I hear little slip ups by Joe Biden. Like, like I said, there's kind of a punchline in this clip and uh, I wonder if you'll catch it. I, I'm only, I'm only, teasing when i say the propaganda report you and you know stella you and um brad i'm sorry brad yeah you, you, i i was i was sitting there waiting for you to catch it and you didn't but i think i think you'll hear it this time so okay well like i said to you he's <laughs> which sort of started the conversation um i just tune out to the man now it's just blah yeah. blah 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 so yeah. i wasn't even really listening in <laughs> Well, and that's part of the game. That's part of the game. I know. I fell for it. Yeah. Temporarily. It's like, it's out. really hard. You really have to. He does it every time. 
You got to get, you got to focus on this fucker. You All do. Right. Here we go. What happened if we walked away? We are the essential nation. Meanwhile, Putin has turned to Iran and North Korea to buy attack drones and ammunition to terrorize Ukrainian cities and people. From the outset, I've said, I will not send American troops to fight Ukraine. All Ukraine is asking for is help for the weapons, munitions, the capacity, the capability to push invading Russian forces off their land and the air defense system to shoot down Russian missiles before they destroy Ukrainian cities. Let me be clear about something. We send Ukrainian equipment sitting in our stockpiles. And when we use the money allocated by Congress, we use it to replenish our own stores, our own stockpiles with new equipment. Equipment that, defeat, that defends America and is made in America. Patriot missiles for air defense batteries made in Arizona. Artillery shells manufactured in 12 states across the country in Pennsylvania, Ohio, Texas, and so much more. You know, just... Did you catch it? Was it the thing that they basically, they're offloading their old crap so they can build new stuff? Is that sort of... Yeah, or not? partly, partly. Okay. He has a bit of a Freudian slip. What would happen if we walked away? We are the essential nation. Meanwhile, Putin has turned to Iran and North Korea to buy attack drones and ammunition to terrorize Ukrainian cities and people. From the outset, I've said, I will not send American troops to fight Ukraine. All Ukraine is asking for is help for the weapons, munitions, the capacity, the capability to push invading Russian forces off their land and the air defense system to shoot down Russian missiles before they destroy Ukrainian cities. Let me be clear about something. We send Ukrainian equipment sitting in our stockpiles. And when we use the money allocated by Congress, we use it to replenish our own stores, our own stockpiles with new equipment. Equipment that, defeat, that defends America and is made in America. <laughs> okay, I got it. Ukrainian equipment? The, the equipment that defeats, I mean, defends America? One more time. Clear about something. We send Ukrainian equipment sitting in our stockpiles. And when we use the money allocated by Congress, we use it to replenish our own stores, our own stockpiles with new equipment. Equipment that, defeat, that defends America. Equipment that defeats, that defeats America. That, 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 that defends America. Uh, well, and I also caught that he called it Ukrainian equipment. <laughs> I think he meant to say we send yeah. Ukrainians equipment. Yeah. Like we're sending it to them, not that it belongs to them. Mm -hmm. I see what you're saying though. Freudian slip. Yeah. Well, and he's confirming, oh, we're, we're, we're just freshening up our own supplies. We're getting rid of the old, out with the yeah. old, in with the new. The new, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's great for our economy. We're going to buy so many bombs and bullets because we've depleted our supplies. I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, it's man. recycling. It's all green. And it's insane. It's insane. <laughs> but he literally says it out loud that, you know, one more time. Ukraine. All Ukraine is asking for is help for the weapons, munitions, the capacity, the capability to push invading Russian forces off their land and the air defense system to shoot down Russian missiles before they destroy Ukrainian cities. 
Let me be clear about something. Okay, I just want to say, whenever he says, let me let me be clear about something, he's got all these little things. He says this a lot. Let me be clear about something. And then he'll say, like, and and in closing, and, you know, he has these little fillers, and I'm pretty sure it's just his, his brain has been programmed with these paragraphs. And it's like, okay, this is paragraph three. This is paragraph four. You know, do-do-do-do-do-do, execute program. He's so robotic, but he stumbles. You can tell he doesn't even really give a fuck or know what he's even saying. He's reading the prompter and he's not he's doing chin it very balls. well. He's got he's chin got, balls here, too. He's got the chin balls. Yeah. We send Ukrainian equipment sitting in our stockpiles. And when we use the money allocated by Congress, we use it to replenish our own stores, our own stockpiles with new equipment. Equipment that, def- that defends America and is made in America. Mm-hmm. Okay, made so America. the weird thing is, the weird thing is, nobody ever says that that's what that money, the Ukraine aid is doing. That's the first time that I've ever actually heard anybody say what the money was going to specifically. Because anytime you hear them talk about it on the news, they're saying, oh, we're sending money to Ukraine. We're sending this to Ukraine. And they didn't say anything about what he just mentioned. They didn't say anything about us replenishing our own stockpiles. Mm-hmm. That the, the equipment and the munitions that we're sending over there is stuff out of our own stores. And it's not stuff that's, that they're, um, they're ordering from the manufacturers to send over there. It's stuff that we already have. And that's the first time it's ever been mentioned that I, can, that I remember. I don't think anybody's ever said that before. Yeah, these, you sort of tend to, without really being stated, you tend to think, oh, okay, I mean, like for normies, they tend to think oh, oh, it's probably going towards hospitals or, you know, rebuilding structure for the for the civilians or, you know, getting people out of there with bus, whatever it may be. You sort of, a lot of people would think, well, it's going towards something good. But, I mean, yeah, he has just outrightly stated that basically <laughs> they're getting rid of their old stuff. Yeah. Uh, which will probably move on somewhere else. Maybe Iran. Yeah, well, I think we've seen Hamas with, like, American M4s and other equipment. So, yeah, somehow we, somehow we always seem to fund both sides. Yep. There's a meme out there of uh, somebody being asked by a goose, where did they get the M4s? And the person is taking off and the goose is like, where did they get the fucking M4s from? Because we know that they left stuff over there. Um, We know how, how, what a debacle uh, exiting Afghanistan was. And that was all part of all of this stuff. It was all another brick in the road. Um, So here we are. Well, um, I, you know, okay. So I told you all before we started, like to me, what I keep coming back to is ethnocentrism where it's like Israeli, Pakistani fucking Indian, Pakistani fucking, I, I could, you know, 
in in America we have this like fomenting black white, right? That's what they want us to think. And I I just think that's it's what the psyop boils down to. Hey, how can we how can we tell you that you're different, even though we're all just the same? Y'all catch my drift. Yeah, and I think that there is, um, you know, in America, I would say that le- prior to the introduction of BLM into the ether, that there, that things were probably better in that regard. So I definitely feel like the stoking of racial tension is intentional. I mean, I don't think anyone here would question that, but I think that we have many examples of people being able to integrate together into a country. It's not until not, not every time, but like in the United States, people were seem mostly okay with like, you know, Jewish, Irish, Italian, like German, black, white, like it got to the place where it was like, okay, we're Americans. We've been told it's a melting pot and we're okay with that. It wasn't really until that narrative of um, you're being oppressed based on your race and the ramping up of the victimhood mentality that things are really being, they're really festering, it seems like to me. And I definitely think that there's a lot happening in smaller side issues as well. Like a lot of the examples that you see online of smash and grabs um, are usually, it's like a lot of black people that are doing it. Now I'm not, is that the case all over the whole country? Is that who the only people that are doing it? Maybe, I don't know, but that's all you're being shown for sure. Um, you know, whenever there's a lot of videos that get shown in the algorithm of black like a group of black people just attacking one white person. Um, And I think that things like that are, I do think it is happening, but I think that all of this is getting stoked intentionally. Like if it wasn't, then why would the algorithm be showing it to you? Because these people know the, the cultural and social engineers know what they're doing. And I also would like to say that it's not that I don't think that there are cultural issues and oppression happening. But what I think is that it's more about war being declared on poor people. And they started, you know, I do think that maybe they started in the black community because we do know that the CIA uh, helped introduce crack into the black community. And we also know that the black community was very affected from the get-go by social welfare programs. And we do know that black people are more disproportionately represented in the prison industrial complex. Now, um, so, so I'm not saying that there aren't issues. I don't know the root cause of all of these issues or anything like that, but I think that it's really more about poor people being targeted and, and they're like working their way up because at this point, if someone's trying to tell like, well, my community was disrupted by drugs, what community isn't being disrupted by drugs right now? Do you see the people that are having fentanyl overdoses constantly? Who got hooked on opioids? It was white people who got hooked on meth. It was white people. So people, these communities are being targeted. So you're not just a victim because you are ABC XYZ, but people don't really have that ability to step back from that. We were just too worried about being a victim and that's constantly being stoked. 
Well, Ashley. Also, they want to, they, they, not only did the CIA plant all these, these drugs and everything in, in the black communities, but, you know, there's also the propaganda machine against people who use drugs in, in, in general, you know, they, they're always made out to be the bad, the bad guy, you know, well, these damn drug dealers and these drug users is like, those people are victims. They are, they are, they've been preyed upon. They have been taken advantage of, and now they're addicted to these drugs that they may never be able to shake for the rest of their life. And those people are not the enemy. The enemy is the people who got them hooked on those drugs to begin with. And until people start changing their perception about who the real enemy is, this country is never going to move. Nope, we're not going to move forward. We're not going to get better. Nothing's going to get better. Yeah, I couldn't agree with that more. Um, it's it's it is all social engineering. Uh, you only have to look back at, I mean, the, the black movement. I often wonder, um, was it a case of the integration went sort of in all countries just by human nature itself? Did integration go a little bit better than they wanted it to? So they've got to sort of fan the flames or, or was it a matter of moving the pieces into place over a long period of time to the point where sort of like a non-failure point of then pulling some sort of trigger about, you know, social upheaval, etc. maybe Black Lives Matter, what have you, so that they knew that it was just en masse <laughs> and then like ramping it all up. It's, it's sort of chicken or egg type thing. But uh, as we know, propaganda is also, it's always aimed at the heart. It's always aimed to keep us in that emotional response realm. We're very, very rarely ever allowed to relax, are we? Because there's always something especially now. There's a war over here, there's a meteor over there, there's fucking something else. So uh, it's it's sort of like when the, in the black movement, um, you know, a lot of the, there was, the, they had to stir the racial tension because it just didn't really seem to be there naturally. And it's it's the same as the women's movement in, in Australia, I can, I can relate to particularly. Um, around the 60s, 70s, there was Jermaine Greer. Um, she was a very famous feminist who was no doubt probably a, socially engineered created character but th I remember going into her a little bit and um, looking into you know just what she was about and, and the social climate at the time and seeing quite a few interviews of women just on the street just being stopped on the street and asked her what do you think of all this feminism and none of them were unhappy to start with they were told <laughs> they were told that they were unhappy they were told they should feel more independent they were told you know the pill came along they were allowed to be a little bit more, you know, run around and have their own life and be less under the thumb. And, you know, most of them were fairly content until they were told that's what they were, under the thumb, etc. So it's social mm. engineering, there's no doubt. So everything that everybody said for the last few 10 minutes, I don't know, um, is pretty well in line with this clip I saw. So Tucker is interviewing this black guy and i just i think this is from today or yesterday uh, but i just thought that this this guy he's got on he's compelling so i'm just gonna play it and uh you'll see how i think it all connects i'm pretty sure you should read amy sweezy describes a conversation that she had with the county medical examiner andrew baker right after george floyd died Quote, I called Dr. Baker early that morning to tell him about the case. 
and to ask him if he would perform the autopsy on Mr. Floyd. Susie recalls all this under oath in the deposition. Quote, he called me later in the day on that Tuesday, and he told me that there were no medical findings that showed any injury to the vital structures of Mr. Floyd's neck. There were no medical indications of asphyxia or strangulation. Oh. In other words, George Floyd, according to the official autopsy, was not murdered. He died instead of what we used to call natural causes, which in his case would include decades of drug use, as well as the fatal concentration of fentanyl that was in his system on his final day. So this was not a killing. It was yet another narcotics OD in a country that courts more than 100,000 of them every year. The medical examiner clearly understood that and in fact articulated it. And Sweezy explains. He said to me, she recalls in the deposition, Amy, what happens when the actual evidence doesn't match up with the public narrative that everyone's already decided on? And then he said, quote, this is the kind of case that ends careers. In other words, everyone lied about it from the very beginning. The people who knew the truth hid the truth and allowed the revolution to proceed. Now they've been exposed. Now we know the truth. What happens next? Well, they're going to ignore it. The Biden administration just issued a long purple statement celebrating George Floyd's birthday. He's a martyr despite the fact we know that he was not murdered. And by the way, Derek Chauvin is still languishing in jail for the rest of his life. So how do we respond to this? How do we respond to the truth once we have it? Well, Vince Everett Ellison seemed like a good man to ask. He's the author of Crime, Inc. He joins us now. Vince, thanks so much for coming on. So as with so many other stories, the oh, origin of, me, of COVID, oh, it's, it's a blessing to have you. Um, we now know what actually happened but the question then is, what do you do with that knowledge? We know that the U.S. government, Tony Fauci, worked with the Chinese to create the virus that overturned the American economy. But like, what do we do with that knowledge? What do we do with the knowledge that George Floyd was not actually strangled to death by a cop? We have to acknowledge the people that gave it to us and why. See, George Floyd is the Democratic Party's prototypical black man. These are the black men they are trying to create. So George Floyd has to be elevated. He has to be celebrated. He's perfect to them. He was poor. He was uneducated. He was a drug addict. He didn't have a job. He was, he, he was uh, uh, down there begging and, and, and crying and asking the white people to not kill him. To a Democrat, to a white Democrat, this is the perfect black man. So he has to be elevated. Look, not a, a few days ago, uh, Kamala Harris and uh, Joe Biden celebrated hip-hop music. They had a celebration of hip-hop. Hip-hop culture is America's culture. It is a genre. It is music and melody and rhyme. And hip-hop is also an ethos. A music genre that calls the black man the N-word, calls women the W-word and the B-word, uh, talks about misogyny, shooting police, um, uh, uh, smoking dope, selling dope fighting, killing, acting a fool. They celebrated this genre. Why? Because this is how they see black America. They see us the same way they see George Floyd. And they have to make more of us because everywhere they rule, you know, John F. Kennedy stood in front of the um, uh, Berlin Wall in the 60s and said, if you think that communism is great, let them come to Berlin. Well, if you think that the Democratic Party is great, let them come to Detroit. Let them come to Chicago. Let them come to St. Louis, let them come to LA, Portland, Seattle, Memphis, 
anywhere where they rule, you'll see George Floyds all over the place. And they're proud of them. In Baltimore, Maryland, they spend $21,000 per child for, for, for every child up there in, in, inside the school district. Not one school is proficient in math, science, or reading. But they keep it going every year. Why? Because they're producing George Floyds. But and me, George I, Floyds wait, wait, vote for the Democrat Party. But why would, so when most of us, you, me, I think all normal people look at George Floyd's life, you think this is a disaster. This guy never added anything. He took a lot in prison at least eight times. I mean, his life was a tragedy at best. Why would you want more people like that? Because he votes for the Democrat Party. And then he teaches his children to vote for the Democrat Party. Uh, and then these white Democrats can feel superior to him. He can be controlled by them. Just like, think about an old slave plantation, Tucker, back in the day. How they wanted their slaves to act. Subservient, obedient, ignorant. You know, uh, uh, doing what he was told. Not asking any questions. Uh, having a slave mind. Being dependent on them. This is how they want black men to be in America. This is how they want the whole black community to be. This is why... Uh, it started in the Civil Rights Movement when Martin Luther King Jr. in his Iowa Green speech said, 100 years after the Emancipation Proclamation, the Negro is still not free. He said five times in that speech that we were not free. It turned the Declaration of Independence on its head because in our Declaration of Independence, it said that our freedom was an unalienable right given us by God. John Locke in his Second Treatise of Government said that an unalienable right is a right given from God. It is irrevocable, non-transferable, and, 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 and unsellable. The government cannot touch it. It supersedes law. It supersedes the Constitution. However, King said that we was coming to government and to the white man for our right to be free. Even at the end of the speech, he said, on some certain day, we'll be free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we're free at last. He said in that speech, when will we be satisfied? He said, we will never be satisfied until justice rolls down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. That's a fancy way of saying never. And so black people heard that speech and said that we were not free here in America. And we make our children recite that speech every single year on King's birthday. And they say in that speech, the Negro is still not free. George Floyd was a slave in his mind. And the civil rights movement caused him to be a slave in his mind. And today they're still marching, 60 years later, telling black people, you're not free. Beg for reparations. Beg for affirmative action. Kill your children in the womb. Uh, cut off your, your, your child. You castrate your children. Let drag queens come into school and shake their behinds in your children's faces. Run God out of the public square. And then they end up like George Floyd. But the one thing they do consistently is they vote for the Democrat Party. And the places where George Floyd's live, they stay in absolute power. What do we have to say? I got a lot to say. Me too, <laughs> I mean, if I Me may. Yeah. So, oh, okay. I'll just kick it off. First of all, I want to shout out Miriam Heinine. She is an uh -huh. independent yes. researcher. She was one of the first people that granted the Union of the Unknowns um, part of her time. And she's a big deal. She did a um, the, the Bees Disappearing documentary that you might be familiar with. Mike, she made that film uh, that was actually narrated by um, 
Ellen Page before, you know, all this stuff. And then Miriam is also on Union of the Unwanted as a contributor there. She has a documentary that she did a deep dive into the George Floyd situation, which she considers to be a psyop that ushered in the color revolution in the United States. So she also thought that Derek um, Chauvin was either in on it or that he was maybe activated or something like that. He was military. And there's a lot of other shady connections between Derek Chabon and George Floyd in um, the, the nightclub that they both worked at. That nightclub is also implicated in um, drug dealing and money laundering with the Sinaloa cartel. So there's a lot going on with this story for sure. And um, the other thing that I wanted to, and I tagged you on her uh, link on her documentary on Twitter, Mike. But the other thing that I wanted to reiterate about that is that what this man is saying is true. They want black people to be victims. They want black people to feel subservient and dependent on the state, but they want that for all of us. That is the goal for everybody. It's not just specifically black people. He's not wrong, but the education system, and there's a lot of evidence from this, and you can look at um, John Taylor Gatto's work and the work of Richard Grove that talk about specifically how this Prussian education system was set up to deprive us, all of us that went through it, of the basic skills that could help set you up for success in life because they don't want you outside of the system. They don't care if you're white or black. They want you in the system. They want you as a cog in the system. They want you feeding the system, but they don't want you outside of it. But that's not a race thing. No, but I think possibly the black people was their trial run. Um, yes. So now they're just doing exactly the same thing to everyone. Yes. Yep. But yes, I, I, I would not. I wouldn't uh, argue with that at all because I do think that they started with the the drug interruption and the hip hop interruption in that community sooner. Although there was a, a drug push in the white community, so it could have been to see which was more damaging faster, the race to the bottom, mm. as it were. Sorry, go ahead. Possibly so, yeah. yeah. I mean, I remember in the, ooh, must have been the late 70s and late 80s, you know, heroin was a pretty big problem. I don't know if it was the same over there, but it was in Sydney and that's when they all started opening up shooting rooms and things like that. Um, that was, I mean, see, we don't have a large black community. Well, we didn't then, certainly not. Um, it was sort of quite unusual to see a black person back then. Um, it's still, I mean, still is not like stacks, but there is kind of like rapidly <laughs> becoming more um, in the last couple of years. But uh, yes, I want to also shout out Marianne Hanane. Um, she, it's definitely worth looking up her documentary. She certainly put a lot of time of her life into that and uncovered a, a large amount of things, um, which I think some of her, some of her facts were kind of pillaged a little bit by other people weren't they was that about right Ashley yeah yeah and she was also calling out Tucker not in an ugly way here but she's like I I've been saying this now for like mm. three years and now all and people are giving um they're giving Tucker some people in the truth community like oh uh Tucker breaks the news three years later uh yeah, exactly. because she's been talking about this yeah, it's almost like people in our community sort of come out with things and then they have to come out with it because it, they can't hide it anymore. It's obviously out, oh. so then they have to harness it. But um, I would also like to say Mariam Hanane was also our very first guest on Union of the Unknowns. Um, so you can catch her on Union of the Unknowns, um, Union of the Unwanted as well, and also her very own uh, Truth Lives Here, I believe it is. Is that correct? Actually. Anyway, I'm not there'll sure, be some... but yeah, she yeah she does have her um her own podcast too yeah 
Should we play her um, documentary trailer here? Well, that's it's nothing. That's all. It's all. Oh, is that the George Floyd one? Yeah. All oh, right. If, it, yeah. if it's just a couple minutes, I think it's worth yeah. it. I think yeah. there is some information, like her own kind of voiceover here, mm -hmm. and I do think she asked mm -hmm. some valid questions. Yeah, go ahead. In a promotional sense, I think it's worth doing. Yeah, for her. Freedom of speech. Don't touch street. Don't touch I got this all on camera. Watch out. Don't touch street. Third precinct is up in flames. We begin with breaking news in South Minneapolis. Caught on tape, a black man pinned to the ground, later dying after a white officer kneeled on his neck. It started with a report of a forgery in progress and ended with Floyd's death. The situation has become volatile in the third police precinct tonight. As police officers and protesters clash over a man's death. Miles from Minneapolis, anger, frustration pouring into the streets of America. I can't breathe! It all stems from this video. What we saw was it can be heard on the video saying, I can't breathe. Police officers involved have all been terminated. Okay, well, yeah, for the listener, there was some clip, you know, there were some captions going on, but um, there's there's certainly some debate that could be had as to whether or not the kneeling on the neck was the final straw or just part of it. Uh, you know, I don't know. But uh, this issue of how George Floyd got lifted up into the center of the conscious, you know, discussion is worth considering, right? It took most of America by surprise. Uh, something just occurred to me. I don't know if it's been addressed, actually. Maybe you know, Ashley. Um, the fact that I always thought it was a bit funny that um, the whole thing that sparked that off was a forgery of a $20 note, I believe it was. And it's like, 
it just sort of occurred to me now, is that sort of telling, is it like this whole thing is a forgery, like this whole thing was based on a forgery? Has anyone yes. mentioned that? Yes. There's so many weird things about the story, but that's a, a really good one that the shop owners um, or, or whoever was working there called because it was over, yeah, the fake money, a forged $20 bill. And then there was, um, I don't remember exactly what it was, but I think the shop owner ended up saying that they, telling the cops that they were there, but but they actually weren't there during that initial exchange. So there's all these many things that kind of go towards it, like not really adding up if you start looking at it. It's like the dude says, a lot of ins, a lot of outs, a lot of what have yous. Yeah, when they love, them all love together. The, love the Big Lebowski reference. <laughs> yeah. That's what my rig, dude. Yeah. But back to really, what really tied the, the room together. Sorry. What that guy was saying on the Tucker on Tucker's show, um, he was talking about how um, a lot of things have been engineered to keep um, black people down, and I don't disagree with that. I do believe that um, there has been a very large concerted effort from many um, agencies, different aspects of society that have been um, pulled into to kind of. Um, to, to pretty much keep black people down, um, to entrap them into a system of um, obedience and servitude. But it, and Ashley, you said the very thing that I was thinking, everybody's been done that way. Um, I think that they realized that uh, because black people were separated from white people for so long in the country, in, in the US, when like during the slavery era, um, they did develop their own separate cultures uh, simultaneously. Um, so they were going the the things that were going to work on black people were not necessarily going to work on white people. And so each had to have their own tailored um, program, so to speak, a plan of action, agenda, whatever you want to call it. Each had to have their own specific set of circumstances to bring them to a place of subservience and no critical thinking and um, obedience. And I think that's exactly what we're seeing. And to even further divide, uh, you have the, the division between men and women. You have the feminist movement was the same thing. It was uh, reverse psychology that worked on women, making them think that what they were experiencing at home, you know, taking care of their families, uh, serving their families, was uh was oppression and it was slavery basically and that in order to be free they had to be outside the home and away from their family so the the sorting device has been at work for quite some time and now um you have so many different uh divided groups even you know the the kids are separated from the parents now you have the the generation gap as it were and hollywood was essential to Im impressing upon young kids that they needed to rebel against their parents and against their families at a certain age. It was, it was, it was always driven into their minds that they would go through their teenage rebellion or um, they would have some kind of rebellious phase. And that was perpetuated by Hollywood. And that was never an issue. That was never really a problem prior to the existence of Hollywood and all these big blockbuster movies and 
even back in the 20s and, and 30s when uh, when the movies were just kicking off, you know, they would have these stories about um, people who were unhappy in their situation. So they went and found adventure and, and all of that. So hmm. I really feel like it's been... <sighs> I don't even, I, it, it's, it's hard to say when it started um, because I think it's kind of always been um, in process, but it, I think it really kicked off, um, you know, at probably around the turn of the century when technology started picking up and um, things started advancing to where um, government had more control over what people consumed and, you know, more opportunities for, uh, infiltration into family life and it's um, splitting people up. Yeah, well, a lot of the social engineering came from the Tavistock Institute and that's uh, been around for a little while. And each generation has to have their own, you know, their own thing because that in itself creates, makes sure that that generation gap stays nice and healthy. I mean, if, for instance, you know, rock and roll, 60s 70s it then became with technology as you said photo the uh you know invention of the microchip that then you know we were able to bring the synth in and all that and music completely morphed um and then of course you know the 90s the grunge um so each generation has got their own thing it's never going to be the same it's like they're not going to encourage that um so and of course the social engineering and the the, you know, the lyrics, the whole attitude, everything else also shapes that generation and that way of thinking and that society and that social temperature to make sure it's the opposite of the last one as well. So it's just, as we always say, isn't it, multi, multi, multifaceted. It always is. And and they've had their think tanks at this for a long time, so they know which way to come at it from every angle. And it's like a formula. You know, if you sit back and look at it, it is like a formula every generation or so. It's like fashion. Yeah, the- well, the um, it's like the hijacking of counterculture. This is not something that I was even remotely aware of, but now that I've kind of like dabbled in multiple different countercultures and looked at it from this like outside view after the fact, it's like wow. Like I mean, I I don't know that every every movement is totally artificial, but it does come from a place of social engineering it seems and this guy you know i kind of i brought it back a little bit but this guy on tucker um we can we can debate tucker and his influence and his uh motivations but um i i at least like what this guy is saying um from a thematic point of view so I took it back a little bit. Um, he's going to talk about this kind of idea of like where it all went wrong. So I'm just going to play it out and we'll, we'll take it from there. Absolute power. That's a pretty, that's a pretty dark explanation. So you're saying that the democratic party as an organization intentionally degrades black, black people to keep them compliant and obedient. Oh, yes. In my book, Crime Inc., I talk about one of the main things they do, like the, like the mafia and organized crime, they humiliate black people. They demoralize them. It's a Marxist construct. They demoralize their people. They beat them down. They tell them that they're victims. Well, it was Martin Luther King Jr. that said, they tell you to pull yourself up by your bootstrap. Well, how can you pull yourself up by your bootstraps when you're bootless? You know, he told us we were bootless. 
You know, you have black uh, uh, preachers, and, and you've heard, you know about my Iron Triangle, the black preacher, the black politician, the black civil rights worker. They go into the black community. Consistently, you're a victim. You're oppressed. The country hates you. Well, see, I look at them and I say, I'm a black man, but I cannot be oppressed. You know why? Because I'm a child of God. I'm an heir of Jesus Christ. I cannot be a victim. Why? Because I'm an heir of Jesus Christ. I'm a child of God. I cannot be a victim. See, they tell these people to go against their religion and their basic ideology because most black men say they're Christians, right? But then they walk around saying, I'm oppressed. I'm a victim. I'm afraid. 365 times in our Bible, they tell us to fear not, yet they walk around saying they're afraid in, 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 in the United States of America. LeBron James said he's afraid. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar says he's afraid. Kaepernick said he's afraid. Well, I'm a black man in America, and I'm not afraid of a damn thing. I don't ask for permission in my own house. America is my home. So as they walk around here crying, talking about I'm frightened, I'm afraid, I can't make it, please help me, I tell them they stink in my nostrils. They're an affront to God. The flip side of white male intimidation during the civil rights was also black male cowardice. They laid down and let them beat them, slap them around, rape their wives and their children. Well, no, not me, never me. I'm a free man. I live in the United States of America. They say it's an honor to be that, it's, that there's white supremacy and that uh, 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 white people have some type of privilege. Well, as I said before, it is a privilege to be white, but it's also a privilege to be black. And it's a privilege to be an American. And it's really a, pri a privilege to be a Christian in the United States of America, the greatest country on the face of this earth. And they're not going to make a George Floyd out of me. I stand up strong. I look them in the eye. And I say, I'm a free man. My freedom comes from God. It's an unalienable right given to me by him. You cannot touch it, and if you try it, I got two things that'll get you off of me. Jesus and my 38. Come try me out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of like this guy. That's you know? awesome. I love this guy. This is awesome. Yeah. There's there's a hair more. Should we play it on? or Go ahead. What do you, Go ahead. Yeah? I like him. Okay. <laughs> so... So the Democratic Party used BLM as a as a domestic militia in the last presidential cycle, 2020, to defeat Donald yeah. Trump. Do you expect something like that to happen again? Well, you see how they use the same tactics as Iran. Iran has Hezbollah and Hamas as their militia. And the Democratic Party uses BLM and Antifa as theirs, throwing yeah. the rock and hiding the hand. Of course they're going to do it. They've always done it. Even at the beginning, they used the Ku Klux Klan. For, 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 the, for, for the military reign. Now they're using BLM, they're using Antifa, they're using NAACP, and they're their suicide bombers. They're their shock troops. They're their brown shirts. They're their street soldiers. And they're gonna go out there, and I guarantee you, Tucker, they're gonna, they're gonna look over all the black-on-black -black violence. They're gonna look over all the black men killing black men. They're gonna look over all the snatching grabs and all the burning and all the fighting and looting and acting a fool. And they're gonna find one crazy white cop that's going to do something to some crazy black man, and then they're going to try to burn this country down for it. That's their plan. That's their template. I hope America's ready for it because it's coming. And it always works for them. It always works because the, the press and everybody's just waiting. Oh, they're on, the, they're, on the, they're, they're on the starting line just waiting for it. And as soon as they find that golden kill, that golden kill, watch them go crazy with it. BLM is going to start getting their money from the Democrat Party because that's who they get it from. The same way that Hamas gets their money from Iran, the, the, uh, BLM gets their money from the Democrat Party. And BLM does not stand for Black Lives Matter. It stands for burn, loot, and murder. 
And that's what we should call him from now on. Vince Everett Ellison. I think he's got a point. Is BLM is BLM the Hamas of the de- Democratic Party? Is Antifa the uh, you know Hezbollah? Is that a reasonable correlation? I think yeah. so. Um, although I do think that um, I'm I'm actually leaning towards um, Hamas being um, intelligence more than. Um, Iran, but the mm, the principle yeah. applies. Um, definitely, both sides are being played um, by uh, BLM and, and Antifa. Both sides are being played by the the same puppet master, you know, the intelligence agency, and they're going to have you know a, a handful that are um, basically the leaders, so to speak, and then the re- and then they delegate to the uh, to their underlings. But yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. I think he's well, not far off the mark. Supposedly, Hamas was a creation of the, um, oh, what's the Israeli secret police? Um, IDF. Mossad. 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 You know, Hamas, Mossad, uh, what, and Hezbollah, uh, these are just like gibberish in my mind, but well, I'm trying to keep them straight. Hamas but, was apparently a creation, yes, as you say, of Israel, basically, um, around right, the time of right. uh, Yasser Arafat, because it was supposedly to sort of keep that power down. Um, to, to bring the PLO then, to Kiel, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. The People's Liberation Organization, isn't it? Right. Um, Palestinian Liberation Organization. Uh, yes, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then I believe, this is the, the narrative that I, I'm aware of, and I don't by any means say I understand it, but apparently then, yeah, then they sort of got into power in Palestine. Palestine sort of voted them into power, and then they got too powerful. So, But um, I think it's all just, yeah, I mean, they're just chess pieces, really. That's what I really think. They're all just chess pieces being moved into position to achieve whatever the next bit of the agenda is. Sure. And one thing that I wanted to chime in when Mike was talking about different movements being organic or not organic. So my thought is that many movements probably are organic at the beginning. And then as soon as there appears to be forward momentum and reach with that particular movement, then it becomes co-opted right away. So for example, there was somebody who came up with uh, BLM and I just as a term or a movement in and of itself, Black Lives Matter, I have no objection to that. However, the person who invented it got no love, got no coverage from, and this is a fellow Black person, from the BLM, the org, right? And then if you start uh, digging into these people, you see a huge amount of corruption um, that that proves that they're not really in it for what they said they were to begin with. You know, we're talking about taking millions of dollars, buying personal properties, several personal properties with that money, the donations and stuff like that. And yet the black community is no better off than they were. In fact, they're probably worse off. And then, um, so basically I just feel like movements are sometimes organic and they get co-opted very quickly. For example, um, like Motown music, you know, moving into like that helping to create hip-hop music well i don't think that hip-hop music started out being violent and having these um 
the messages that you see today or that the messages of like the blood and the Crips that you see with Snoop Dogg and like Tupac and Biggie and all that Mm -hmm. stuff. I think that that was genuinely an expression of music that got co-opted to send, you know, propaganda basically to that community of, of societally uh, or culturally destructive behaviors. I agree 100% with that because, you know, this, you see the same thing with pop music, you know, you're, as soon as your, your up and coming artists get big enough, they get co-opted and they get pulled into the system as it were. And so, yeah, the, the whole thing with hip hop is being um, propaganda. I, I agree with that too. Um, You know, and I think there was, um, there was a, a movie, I think Eddie Murphy did it, and it was supposed to be like a, a, a docu, docu movie um, about how, um, it was called Dolomite, I think. Um, it was actually pretty funny, but it was, um, it was like, the, it was documenting the creation of that movie Dolomite, which came out, I think, in the 70s. And it was um, this really big movie, uh, completely cast with, um, all black actors, and it was um, pretty much independently filmed and produced and uh, released, actually, um, in a black theater, a blacks-only theater. And um, the guy that the movie is about um, was considered to be the father of hip-hop, and because he did, um, with his sales pitches and everything, he was kind of, he was rhyming and basically rapping. And so... Um, it didn't start off that way at all, like what we see with hip hop now, because he would rap about everyday things, you know, kind of like just the common struggle of what people were going through. And for sure it's been co-opted, just like pretty much every genre of music. <laughs> all of it has. Yeah, what what I understand is that hip hop was kind of con- a convergence of like spoken word poetry obviously with like blues music and like african sort of beat structures that were a remnant from slave culture and that makes total and perfect sense to me what doesn't make sense is how it got got like co-opted from music about the everyday struggle which there's plenty of that for like white people too right it got co-opted from that into, you know, pimp culture and gang culture and drug culture, right? I think. Well, it became also... that after, after I think the, um, after after so long of the black community being targeted and under attack, basically their family units being under attack, just like the white people's families were under attack, but from a different. Um, by different means, um, you know, black people were introduced to um, welfare and uh, in other state-sponsored programs geared towards them, you know, the and then you had the drugs that kind of came in and just wreaked havoc on everybody's lives. And then it kind of developed the culture, the, the, the culture that hip-hop wraps that is a, a subject matter of hip-hop. That came first, and then that's when hip hop was able to be co-opted into all about drugs and 
and the N word and, 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 and pimping and whores and, and all that stuff. So you had to set the scene first in order for the music to be co-opted. And I think that's what happened. I think also, yes, there's that, but also there's the technology side where around that time um, technology was, it became the beatbox situation where there was, you know, the, the, well, the Walkman came later, but even before that was the portable um, stereo system that people, you know, would carry around on their shoulders. It just became the thing, you know, as you're walking past, um, you get this Doppler effect of bass as people are driving past, etc. So once the music was able, I think, to be portable and taken out into the scenes and into the streets, that also in itself shaped things because that was around about the time that, um, I don't know, maybe this was a myth too, but what they were saying was that there was a little bit less gangness because they were sort of uniting more in music or even having dance-offs and things like that. I mean, that could have been a total BS front as well. But um, all I'm saying is that the technology itself allowed the portability and then there was sort of a, a little bit of an organic thing there as well. But, you know, who created the first thing and whether the transistor itself was was a planned thing to shape the culture? Maybe. We don't know how detailed they get um do they make the most of what happens organically or do they engineer every single step so i'm i'm a big fan of a black blues musician from like the 30s 20s 30s 40s uh he went by josh white you know ironically named but josh white he was the first black man ever invited to the white house as a guest and he played for um god damn was it might have been eisenhower it might uh either that or i don't know i would have to double check but he was invited in to play his music which was about the plight of the average black man right and it was honest music and he only recorded a handful of songs before he died. Um, but it's his story is one that I am kind of interested in because I think hmm, it was either very subtle propaganda or it was signs of things like actually being like good improving and somewhere between like the thirties, forties, fifties and the late sixties, race relations like flipped on their head it seems to me um but i did find this clip i don't know if it'll be good or not but it's the origins of hip-hop excuse me hip-hop and i think it might be just interesting to watch a minute or two and see what it says what do you say good go ahead cool When did hip hop begin? Where did it begin at? When did it begin? People are going to tell you and the information you're going to find. The common consensus is the hip hop began in the late 70s and the early 80s in New York. I said the hip Right. Right. Okay. 
Now what you hear is not a test, I'm rapping to the beat. Well, what if I showed you a video from the 40s or the 50s, right? 20, 30 years before they say it began. Mm, Maybelline, what are you doing back here? Well, I have an old favorite that I'd like to see. You'd like to see? What is that? Brother Bill with the Jubilees. Oh, Brother Bill with the Jubilees. <laughs> of some cats with guns in their video. They got dollar signs on their on their outfit. Man, even some, some occult Illuminati type stuff going on. No quicker said than done. Checkered boards and uh, uh, crystal balls. Groupies in the video. Mm-hmm. One of the cats looks like Nelly. Brother Bill went on in the woods in the eastern Maine. The reason why we went up there, we thought we could catch some game. Mean Brother Bill went hunting way in the middle of the night. We shot at something like a grizzly bear, and the dog on thing turned white. Hey, say, look. You don't want my problems, I just got my titties done. Yeah. This a C cup, I got a hundred on the gun. <laughs> oh, without that gun, and the way I run. Brother Bill said, boy, what's the matter with you? Had he known like me, he'd have run some too. I run so fast, they say. They couldn't catch me all day. The way I run across that field, they couldn't catch me with an automobile. I run that gun, and the way I run. Beatboxing even. One of them's beatboxing. Man, they even got, they got swagger to them, and I'm going to show you. Brother Bill said, boy, what's the matter with you? Had he don't like me, he'd run some too. I run so fast, they say, they couldn't catch me all day. I'm going to show you that these guys in the 40s and the 50s were real hip-hop. Real, <laughs> real deal hip-hop. Come on, brothers, if you want to hear a story about that preacher and the bear. Gather around, boys. I don't want you to miss none of this here story because it goes like this. Man, I'm going to put some drums to this just to show you. Don't make me sample it right now. They got the rhythm of hip hop. They're harmonizing like Bone Thugs and Harmony. <laughs> Man, they're, they're stepping in and out. Everybody's got a verse. They're rhyming. Yes, then the bear reached out to give the Reverend a hug like you would hug a long lost friend. But old Reverend put on that disappearing act, he went splitting through the wind. Old Reverend went to running like an old hound dog trying to overtake a hand. 
He went home at the bed and took six naps before his shadow got there. I just thought it was funny. I wanted y'all to check that out. Okay, I mean, I I think there's a point here. There's a fucking point here. Okay, so like you might hear this song that these guys were singing back in the 30s and 40s and think it sounds like just any other, you know, what whatever you want to call it, like country, folk, uh acapella, whatever song. But it, it has an African feel. It has a different feel. And I don't know, to me, like it brings up this question of like there's cultural overlap and I don't want to say homogenization, but like there's cultural mixing that happens. And there's in, in ecology, we'd call it like there's convergent evolution and divergent evolution. And in a nutshell, like convergent evolution is when things develop similar traits for similar purposes versus divergent evolution where things develop differentiating traits for purpose of standing out. So you could say like camouflage is covergent versus like these uh, frogs or birds or what have you that put on very bright displays of color. That would be divergent. They want to seem different, threatening, what have you. Um, I almost think the same applies to culture, right? Like there was a time of covergent evolution after the civil war, before the civil rights movement, where there was a lot of what you might call like assimilation happening. And it wasn't homogenization, but it was assimilation. And then the civil rights movement comes along and, you know, we end up with divergent. We start going opposite directions because now, once again, the most important thing is what color you are, not how hard you work or how good of a musician you are or what have you. It's are you oppressed or are you the oppressor? Right. Does that make sense? <laughs> Help yeah, me well, out. Part of the plan is to, they say, equality and all that. But the funny thing is it's just so inverted because what they're, the way they're going about it and their end, end plan is not at all to make us equal or on the same level as each other. It's to widen the gap between them and us. And uh, every, every, every time there's some um, separation and division, you can generally trace it back to something that they've created. So I don't think any of – I think generally humankind – can get along pretty well uh, without, as you know, with with no sort of authoritarian type intervention. I think just left to our own devices, we pretty much respect each other most of the time. I think. Yeah, without the cultural engineers. Yeah, exactly. Trying to pit people against each other because it benefits them to do so. That's the whole point. Is that no one cares about the trans community, you know, in the predator class. No one cares about minority this color that. They don't care. They see us as slaves. Now, slaves are not powerful when the slaves are fighting each other because, oh, well, I'm a bigger victim than you and, um, you know, X, Y, and Z. So I, I agree very much with Stella that if, if people were left alone, then this would be a totally different situation. But I definitely think that 
civil or uh, cultural engineers that have worked very, very hard to try to create these glaring differences in, um, you know, in race, culture, identity, politics in general, right? Because if you, I mean, look at how much the, um, a quote, cis white person has been vilified by like the transgender community. I mean, and that's a new thing, you know, that that is all so incredibly new in the in our culture that this was not even really a thing, not even 10 years ago. Like it has happened that fast. Um, so it's it's really wild, but definitely the victimhood and um, the getting the infighting are important. It also yes. helps that people aren't able to um, articulate specifically where the attacks are coming from because it all just seems so nebulous and so vague as to why stuff like this is happening. People are not able to make heads or tails of it, so they just kind of go with it, and they don't really ask a whole lot of questions. It goes back to their their training. You know, well, this is, you know, it, it is what, what people say it is, and uh, we just have, have to go along with it. It's like, and nobody wants to stop and ask the tough questions, or the ones that do end up getting uh, vilified for it. They get uh, treated like they're crazy because they dared to question, well, why is this really happening like this? And, you know, the I would say the public school indoctrination of don't ask too many questions has um, been pretty successful, especially in the last, I would say, 15 years or so, last 20 years. Um, the crop of kids that are coming out of, out of public school are, are pretty well uh, subservient to the, the things around them, so are pretty easily controlled. Yeah, I would agree. Um, it's been, you know, a matter of what, well, how many years is that? Uh, about 18 years that we're all indoctrinated for a while and then we, some of us go on to be more indoctrinated and pay for it. Um, but yeah, it's like um, we've been taught to fall in line, not hold the line. So um, yeah, 15,000 hours to be exact. <laughs> that, that's what uh, the traditional K through 12 hours yeah. in school is. When you put um, it that way. <laughs> 15,000 hours. That's a long time. That is a very long time to, uh, to have a lot of, uh, defeatist messaging. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, and not be taught very much of much use. I mean, considering 15, what did you say? 15,000 hours, 15,000 hours after all 15,000 hours, what do we come out knowing apart from a bit of basic maths? Really? Exactly. That's, you know, such... where we could point to a few things on a map perhaps, but that is really? such a good point, Stella. And I, I wanted to add to that, that uh, that's one thing that uh, a point that Richard Grove made. He said, but I thought we were only supposed to have 10,000 hours to become an expert at something. And you don't <laughs> come out. You <laughs> do not point. come out as an expert in shit. You don't even know yeah. how to do your fucking taxes. You don't exactly. know how to bake a cake. You don't know how to sew an apron. You Raise don't know a how child. to in nothing nothing it takes an extra 5000 hours to turn you into a slave or, or maybe or maybe we should say back into a slave so what i think once again i want to point out that 
black folk were not the only ones to be enslaved okay no people of all different colors have been slaves and it's interesting you know i i tend to trust my gut when we do these forums and i let curiosity guide us but to show a clip from 1962 of josh white who i who i mentioned um being this pretty formative black musician who doesn't get a lot of credit like it's amazing we have movies about a million different you know musicians from our history but nobody's ever heard of josh white his story is pretty cool um but to compare a clip from 62 to a clip from 2023 okay i'm gonna play just a bit of this he was in sweden so i guess that should be taken into account here um but here i would like to sing a song to you you don't mind i hope you're not too jealous huh uh this i sang to her from you but i'm singing it all right it's a love song called you'd be so nice to come home to wow You'd be so, so nice to come home to. You'd be so, so nice by the fire. the words I charm between your eyes. Mm-hmm. You'd be all that I could desire. Under stars chilled by the Under an August moon shining above, you'd be so, so nice, baby paradise to come home to. Under stars, chilled by the winter. Under an August moon, shining above. You'd be so, so nice. You'd be paradise to come home. I couldn't I couldn't bring myself to stop that music, okay? It's so nice, right? And Very I, lovely. I love it. I I feel like a fucking prick. 
because the clip I'm about to show next is so unbecoming of black folk. And I'm not saying it's um, even remotely characteristic, let's say, but this is what I'm talking about with like the sort of divergent evolution is that we have a sickness that is very visible in the black community in my opinion if i'm speaking frankly that pervades through our entire community but it's coming out in very visible ways with the black community now before i play this i want to open it up you know it looked like stella might have had something to say not trying to cut anybody off here but uh no not really i just said that i love that stuff as well mm. um mm. i would have felt a little bit awkward being that lady but <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, it, it was 1962. Again, he was in Sweden, so take that for what it's worth. But Yes, serenading a, was sort of a thing back then. You know, well, sweet. but also I was just getting at the point that it's a, it's a black man performing in front of a very, very white audience, and the audience is thoroughly receptive and respectful and, mm. I don't know, like enthralled, if you will. Like it just it, it seems like we forget that that everybody doesn't hate each other. You know, if we listen to the news all the time, we would think everybody hated each other. Yeah, that that's the whole point. It's just all engineering. Like that's what I'm saying. Like we left alone, we'd be fine together, most of us. And then you'd just have the few vigilantes that would make sure that people stayed in line and everything would just be dandy. So, you know, we don't it's like little children. You know, you've probably all seen that gif of that, the two little children, there's a white child and a black child and they're in the street and it's like they've just seen each other and they're running towards each other to give themselves, a, each other a big hug. And it's just gorgeous. And it's like, well, children don't see colour like that, do they? They just don't. It is bred into us. It's suggested. It's engineered into us because unless we're fighting amongst ourselves, we're fighting them. And that's the whole point of it. A subservient crowd is a crowd that are fighting amongst each other and need to be policed. Yeah. And one thing that I also wanted to throw in there that I, I don't know is specifically applicable in this particular situation, but in-group preference is normal and it is okay. You know, like, for example, if you look at uh, the prison structure, that is very much divided into in-group preference for whatever reasons. I'm sure it's a, a really nuanced subject. There's a lot that goes into uh, prison, the prison system here in the States. But I, I also just think like, like what Stella was saying, if, if we didn't have cultural engineers trying to tell us to hate each other, then it would never be like that. Even if people were like, yeah, that's, I want to hang out with the Irish people. I want to hang out with the Italian people. I want to hang out with the Native American people. Like, okay, you do you like, that's fine. Um, So I think that's an interesting interesting aspect of it and uh to not that we've watched your video yet but i i would also say that there culturally there's a lot of i i would say in any culture things that are rather nefarious for example <clears throat> there's some things i'm not going to get into here but one thing that i do want to say is if you were to look at i i maybe i shouldn't even say it uh people that, that abuse children, um, 
maybe there is a certain demographic. Maybe mo maybe most of them are white. I don't know. So I think that there's definitely there in every culture things that are prevalent. Um, now, I think that society has been made sick. I think that's been engineered, but I'm just saying like every one of them have their thing. And I would also say that uh, the culture of trying to um, cut off your child's genitalia, that's probably mostly white people. And that's extremely detestable. It's not the same as a smash and grab, but it's fucking awful <laughs> nonetheless, you know? And then you have white people, especially liberals that are super, um, super pro-choice, but what they really are encouraging is euthanasia and they're not educating anybody on the history and the origin of euthanasia, but it's the black community that's suffering from that because they make up 13% of the population and they have a very much higher uh, disproportionate number of the abortions. So weird shit everywhere, fam. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> that's always consistent. Yeah. <laughs> Can always rely on that. Weird, weird shit that you can everywhere. bank on. Yeah. You know, and it, Again, I'm just going to be blunt, but like this morning, you know, my bad for like checking on Twitter first thing in the morning, but literally like one of the first things I saw and I'm glad I didn't save it. I'm not going to play it for us because it was just ugly, but it was two black guys like beating up a couple of women for like I who knows what reason, but like just slapping them around in public with a bunch of people like watching and not interfering and like one of the women is just begging for them to stop and it's just awful and i'm not saying that that is an, an exclusive you know phenomenon to like black people it's not it's not but it's just a horrible thing to see and it seems like violence against women does seem somewhat prevalent with with black Americans, I'm just going to be blunt. Like, I maybe well, that's it, a horrible it, thing to say. I don't know, but is it, it's a socioeconomic thing, really? Yeah, it's, it's a not poor so much thing, a race maybe. thing because yeah. you do find. Yeah. But the thing is, you also find violence in the high elitist levels as well. The rich people that they're, they're not immune to it at all. So it, it's everywhere. It's just it's a it's a sickness of the human heart, basically. Um, human hearts are in all of us no matter how much money or what color we are so uh no i wouldn't say it's an exclusive thing at all we just see it more because it's more covered up in in the higher you know et et echelon sort of areas <laughs> well it's covered i mean it's so like these smash and grabs too i mean i don't know i to me it just it does seem like there's a racial component to what's happening there's a cultural there racial component yeah. To to a lot of shit. Um, well, what they're showing, I think it is. It's more yeah. so not so what, much what's happening, but what we are being shown. There's definitely a racial component mm -hmm. for the division reasons. You know, well, I was going to share like a, a short like clip of a bunch of smash and grab video, but I don't really even want to. Like, fuck it. Yeah, no, we've all not. we've all seen it. We've yeah, seen it before. Sure. Yeah. Um, it's negative stuff going out into the air, and Satan yeah, rules by yeah, the air. So yeah, let's yeah. not do it. Well, and the other thing that I want to say, I, and maybe there is a, a racial component, and if we look at the way that that community has been gone after by the predator class, then it makes sense. Or, you know, children, 
And of course this happens along an entire spectrum, but in, I would say that community has been disproportionately affected by fatherless homes. So that matters, you know, having your parents in the home, having a nuclear family. And that's one of the things that the predator class has been after us about is the nuclear family, because that's a source of strength. So they have been able to really successfully take that away from a lot of people in the African-American community. So I think if you start severing those bonds and then you continue like the overall dumbing down of a population, which we all have experienced, you know, the 15,000 hours of nothing, except for obedience, subservience, that kind of thing, like following rules, stifled creativity, all that stuff, then I think that you you start seeing an extreme separation. So now you see like kids raising kids. They have no example of what a good family home life is like. They have no structure, no discipline. And that's not just specifically in that community, but I think it may be worse at this time with these at-risk youth um, that they, they, they're untethered essentially. I mean, it's, it's Lord of the Flies vibes out there in a lot of ways. And I also have people that I know who work in low income in education and the lockdown made that worse. It accelerated that Lord of the Flies I'm sure. vibe. I'm sure. Because, yeah. yeah. They were, <clears throat> they were not held accountable to have to show up on zoom class, which, okay, that's fine because that was bullshit anyway. But I'm just saying like there was mm -hmm. the, the separation of, um, and, you know, I don't respect authority, but in this particular case, like there's usually a structure and whatever. Well, that that began to be severely eroded. And then I've heard many teachers come back and say that the kids were more aggressive. They were way less respectful of a teacher. Like I'm going to I'm going to shoulder check you in the hallway, a middle schooler, um, you know, kids just deciding they just don't want to go to school anymore. So things like this, this huge separation has happened in, in that, you know, in those families. And then I think that whatever is happening in school, and we may have touched on this here or somewhere, but that they aren't, uh, you know, things that schools used to care about, like attendance and late being late, and stuff like that, they don't, care about that anymore. And I don't know if that's simply coming from policy changes like, oh yeah, fuck it. Just, we, we don't focus on that anymore or what it's about. But I can tell you when I was in high school, I got in trouble for the stupidest shit. Like I had the wrong lock on my locker and I got called to the principal's office for that. So this is the sort of strict bullshit that they're holding you to there. Now you don't have to bother coming up to school. Like your attendance matters not, you know? So I think that there's, um, in a Lord of the Flies situation, it would be very easy to get caught up in um, groupthink, in crap. What is it? Crowd mentality. What's the word I'm looking for? Riot. Riot mentality. Like the, yeah. herd mind, mentality. the hive mind. Herd mentality. Herd yeah. mentality. Yeah. 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 All the things. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the key is definitely the education, and that's something else that they've engineered because look at it now. I mean, they're not going to walk away with any kind – we used to have sex education in class, and even though that is probably something that should be kept to, you know, the home, it wasn't. And there were some problems, obviously, but, I mean, it was just a joke. Really, it was a joke. But but now look at it. It's it's bloody drag queen story time and all that. That's what they're learning. They're just – it's total disassociation of – yeah, um, they're just not learning the, the right things and what they are learning is absolutely 
corrupted. So, um, yep, just churning out a whole bunch of useless people with certain mindsets. And, and I know from my own connections, let's say, quite quite close ones, um, that, you know, the university hive mind is just the progressive thing, you know, the, the blue hairs and all that. The wokeness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I mean, that's people that I didn't expect it from because they're very intelligent, what have you, but because they're caught up in that culture and that mindset, they've got some really strange ideas which don't make much sense. Yeah, and and one other thing I wanted to chime in is uh, I don't I don't want to neglect the importance of social media, such as TikTok, such as people getting on there and making you know a. I don't want to neglect the importance of the influencer in today's day and time because the influencer has a lot of sway. So if you have people that are acting like they're participating in part of this culture and giving the message that my life is so great and I'm here and I got my um, stacks of cash and I've got my gold jewelry and I've got my Air Force Ones and then you have children that don't have a strong family structure, they are being raised by one another, but also by this influencer culture. And we know that's really unhealthy. And that's not just specifically to the black community, right? We have a lot of unhealthy influencer culture. We have uh, the Kardashian type culture, like constant plastic surgery. We care about how we look. We care like it's no no big deal to sexualize your daughters in order to uh, quite literally sell your soul for fame. Well, that's not a good message either. So the the influencer on whoever it's directed towards is has the capability to be highly destructive and highly influential to especially young people of that age. And they, they are like glued to their phones and another thing, and everyone is, but this is even worse. Um, I had someone who was telling me that they had kids in class who won't put their phones down in class. Now my age, we, we didn't really have phones at that time. I'm not old, fuck you. But um, they, <laughs> it never would have been tolerated. You know what I mean? Right. Never. Like it would have been taken away. Parents would have been called. It would have been a whole ordeal. Well, this gal has kids answering their phone in class. That's where we're at. Wow. Mm. She said they won't even stop looking at their phone during so class. Even, even just that is distraction, isn't it? Yeah. It's like they're allowing the distractions. They just don't care. They don't want anyone to focus on anything. They don't want anyone to do particularly well. And um, I remember in the, when was it? Oh, must have been about the 90s, I suppose. They brought in a different kind of marking system into the school. I don't know if that happened over with you a lot, but um, it was like instead of each individual student being marked on their own merit and how good they did at a particular subject, individually per subject, um, it was changed. I wish I could remember the name of it now, but it had an acronym. It was then changed to the marks were more about the average of the class. So it's, it's like a of, weighted grading system or a, um, is that what curved. they call it? Curved, curved grading system. Yeah. Is it? Okay. That's what we call it here. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it probably was. Um, but yeah, it was just so unfair because it basically meant the people who were doing really well and worked really hard were sort of kind of being brought back. And yeah. the ones who didn't were being boosted to make the school look good. <laughs> you know, so it's sort of like that was when the individual in, individuality was removed and it became more of a, yeah, a body, a hive. We're all in this yeah. together. Pretty much. 
Yeah, the public schools here, um, my my uh, my niece and nephew are going to public school here, and um, they tell us all the time that um, they, uh, they'll be in class, and the whole class gets punished if one of the students acts out. So they have actually several in the class that act out periodically, and um, the whole class gets punished for it. Instead of Instead of taking those students aside and correcting that behavior individually, they are punishing the whole class for it. And the ones that are doing what they're supposed to be doing and that are behaving themselves and patiently waiting for the teacher to get on with the lesson, they have to stop what they're doing and wait for these kids to calm down because, and so nobody's learning anything. Well, if I've learned anything in the last few weeks, it's that collective punishment is considered a war crime right hmm. i believe it is it's <laughs> <laughs> a really yeah. interesting point yeah. that's what um that's what israel was saying you know they were saying that there are no innocents in palestine there's no i mean in, in gaza there that all of them are uh worthy of punishment and it's like the babies even the babies that didn't have mm-hmm. any choice in the matter yeah, I call it's fake what, news on that. <laughs> it's what makes you an extremist for arguing for peace, right? So I found I found this kind of interesting. This is apparently a son of a Hamas leader who who converted from radical Islam to Christianity. Now, take it for what it is. This is coming at us from Fox News. So, um, yeah. I'm not saying it's the honest to God truth, but let's uh, let's just hear what the guys got to say just a few minutes and we'll we'll see what we have in response. All right. uh, Thanks so much, Carly. Our next guest grew up in the West Bank where his father was a founding member of Hamas. He was groomed to take a senior role before he turned on the terrorist group in prison, spying for Israel now, converting to Christianity and ultimately seeking asylum in the U.S. Masab Hassan returns to us now as he came a few years ago. And now we got more than ever. Masab, it's great to see you. We'd love to know the insight of this group and how they were able to pull off what they did October 7th. First, can you tell the audience your background, people that didn't read your book? Uh, you know, I was born at the heart of Hamas leadership, you know, and I know them very well. Uh, they don't care for the Palestinian people. They don't regard uh, the human life. And uh, I saw their brutality firsthand uh, back in 1996 when I spent about a year and a half in Megiddo prison. You know, they killed so many Palestinian people at that time. And this is when I decided that I I cannot be together with this uh, movement. In fact, I asked myself a question. What if they become a ruling party at some point? What will they do if they succeed in destroying Israel and building their state? What will they do? They will kill our people. And this was the first question, you know, that actually I had to be honest with myself. Even though Hamas gave me advantages, you know, I was like a prince in that world. And but I did not like them, you know, and uh, I turned against uh, even my own blood, you know, because this is how much I did not like Hamas. And today, 25 years later, they are the rulers of Gaza and we see what they are capable of doing. We saw what happened October 7th. We saw them uh, uh, do what they did to Holocaust victims. They have now over 200 hostages, uh, murdered babies in their cribs, and we see the horror of what they're capable of. Now they've retreated back to Gaza, and a, a ground incursion is about to happen. Would you recommend Israel do this? And what will they find when they go in? 
Okay, first of all, we need to evacuate civilians as much as we can. You know, this is an ugly war, and Israel did not start it. Hamas did. First of all, we need to encourage civilians to go into Egypt, possibly women and children, maybe men over 50 years old. These need to get out of the picture. You know, then the strip needs to be cut two pieces, north and south, two parts. The northern part, this is where most of the tunnels are. They, we need to have a solid siege, okay, for long enough to deplete the enemy and to starve them. After that, we may need to explore using gas. This is like sounds horrible, but I don't see any other option. Okay, so yeah, I'm not saying this guy knows that he's not. I don't think he's a good guy. Um, I think I it was even... a bad idea to put that guy on their show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. He um... he's he's talking about some like some serious serious, some serious business, shit. and yeah. um, that could later come back and bite them in the butt. Um, I almost regret even playing it because, like, well, you know. Well, I mean, because I, I don't watch Fox News, and I probably would never have come across this clip. So, I mean, thank you for sharing that. But um, I think Fox News is towing the line again of what is um, uh, legally allowable on, on 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 the airwaves. I think that is some really dangerous territory talking about um, because I know he's talking about killing a quote unquote terrorist group, but. Nobody is really talking about where they came from to begin with. And yes, he says he was the son of a high-ranking uh, Hamas leader. But, I mean, where did Hamas come from? Nobody wants to talk about that. And I think that it's very possible that Hamas was started by, uh, by Mossad, by Israeli intelligence or some intelligence agency. Because their tactics are exactly what intelligence agencies do. And they they take over and they are basically a cancer, just like our own intelligence agencies. And I, they're they're making all of the people around them suffer. Um, and I just they he's he's saying that they should evacuate the women and children to Egypt. Egypt is not accepting refugees. I mean, they ha you have to get these other countries on board with all this plan before you could just start saying, well, this is what needs to happen. Like Israel will not take refugee. I mean, um, Egypt, excuse me. Egypt is not taking refugees and Israel isn't even letting them, letting these people leave Gaza to begin with. Those people are not allowed to leave Gaza Strip at all. And they're just, everyone's saying, well, they can just leave. They can just evacuate. They're not exactly evacuating. They're just moving to a different area of Gaza Strip. That's not exactly what I would call an evacuation. And it's just the 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 absolute just the obtuseness that is coming from the media right now about that whole situation is infuriating to me. Because I heard it on the I did hear one clip where they talked about the the evacuating the the people out of Gaza. And that was basically all they did was they just moved them to a different area of Gaza. They, they're still com in total, complete danger of losing their lives. They're they're still in danger of being bombed and they're acting like that was good enough. And it's not. It's completely unacceptable. And I don't I don't advocate for war on either side. I don't know what the solution is. You know, this is not what I get paid to do. Um, but uh, 
I, diplomacy is nowhere even on the table. There's no there's no talk about communication between either side, and they've let it go for so long that it is now this toxic uh, situation that there might not actually be a resolution for because they've let it stew for so long. And so many people are hurt. So many people are offended. So many people are have these these grudges and this resentment that has built up. And instead of dealing with it when they could have, they just let it stew. And I don't know that the situation is repairable. And uh, let's not forget the Balfour letter, the declaration. It actually states, His, Majest- His Majesty's government view with favour the establishment in Palestine of a national home for the Jewish people and will use their best endeavours to facilitate the achievement of this object, it being clearly understood that nothing shall be done which may prejudice the civil and religious rights of existing non-Jewish communities in Palestine or the rights and political status enjoyed by Jews in any other country. So, yeah, it's already a crime against humanity anyway. And I think it's really interesting that that was published on 9-11-1917. Well, it's 9-11 the way we write our dates in Australia, which is logical. <laughs> Day, month, year. <laughs> yeah, 9th of November. Let me get this right. Sorry about that. Did that did that audio come through? <laughs> it did. I hope I got that right. (laughs) Yeah. So um, (laughs) we've got we've got a video here with uh, with Stella in the comment section right here. Um, But this was shared and it seems applicable. You know, I'm not exactly sure what this guy is referring to. If if there was actually a law, Uh, maybe y'all can fill me in. But was there some kind of push in the States or in Canada to get women into the draft. I think there was just a uh, a um, a rhetoric about mm. um, people discussing that based on what, like Janet Yellen of the Federal Reserve was saying. Oh yeah, we have enough money to fund two wars. So I think that people were probably just um, responding to that type of rhetoric. Is my guess. I don't remember hearing anyone specifically in the political sphere talk about a draft but i think people are uh people are thinking well how the fuck do you plan on fighting two wars or you know that kind of thing yeah Yeah, so i was gonna say this um this guy is basically saying you're not gonna draft my daughter okay and um it, it takes me back to what we were talking about earlier as far as like our energy goes and whether or not you can catch more flies with honey than vinegar. And there's a certain point where I don't know if you have any choice except to take a tone kind of like this. And um, I like what this guy's got to say. I'm assuming he's American um, and not Canadian. That was my kind of question, I guess. I could almost see the Canadians forcing a draft for females before we do but then again who the fuck knows anymore but this kind of goes back to what we talked about last week and how we've gotten away from what used to be common knowledge like you protect women and children right that's kind of our job as men and um i'm certainly outnumbered on this forum tonight but that's quite all right 
Um, I'm going to play this, and we'll we'll see what y'all have to say. You want to pass a law to draft my daughter to send to another one of your foreign fucking wars for something you created so your arms manufacturers can make more money for your banker friends. Did I get that fucking solid right or not? Now, wrong elephant breath. My daughter will not be joining the military any way, shape, or form unless it's to fight this fucking war that this government has started against its people. See how simple that is? The very fact that you don't understand the societal fucking rules about women and children, let me school you a little bit. Now, the fact of the matter is you can't make your fucking recruitment numbers because your recruiters told so many lies like, oh, yes, you get the condo on the beach when you join up. Oh, you get to start here, but we're going to switch you to what you really want later. And the biggest boner up the ass, the VA will take care of you if you got hurt. Hey, the reason you can't meet the recruitment goals is because these young men have already voted with their fucking feet. They're not going to fucking fight. And the fact that you think you're going to get the women to fight, let me put it to you this way. It was one thing when you oppressed us with unbelievable fucking taxes. One thing, because we were living in nice homes and still eating pretty good. It's another thing when you spied on us to the degree that you did and made us realize that we don't have any freedom. It's another thing when you not only wrecked the fucking economy, but you fucking did it in such a way where you spent so much fucking money that went to special interest groups that the people never had a chance to benefit from it. And now when you have people that are homeless eating canned goods out of the back of their fucking car, you know what? They may do that for themselves, but they're not, their kids are not going to go through that. Motherfucker, you're going to find out what people will do for their fucking children. You protect women and children because it's a societal norm. It has nothing to do with being sexist or unequal in any way. The fact is, you should always protect people that are weak of themselves and always stand up for the right fucking thing. And the right fucking thing here is if my daughter is going to be in a war, she's not going to have to go to a fucking foreign country to fight it. Fuck your taxes. Fuck your withholding. Fuck your FEMA. Fuck your IRS. Fuck you. Fuck your corrupt Congress. Fuck your corrupt presidents. Fuck your entire election process. You know, I could go on forever, but let's face it. The world's not going to live that long before a fucking meteor solves a problem for us. So fuck you. And if anybody doesn't like what I'm saying, you know what you can do. If you do like what I'm saying, give me a hell yeah in the comments. <laughs> I, fuck you. Fuck what you're doing. Fuck all y'all. Fuck, fuck, <laughs> fuck, fuck you. Yeah, like elephant you. breath. I, like <laughs> I mean, he wasn't the most coherent the whole time. Like, there were a few times I'm like, ah, oh, you kind of missed it, bub. But, like, you can tell he's just speaking from the heart and he's pissed. And well, what I don't know. Do? I reckon yeah. he pretty much nailed it there. I didn't really yeah. find anything wrong with anything. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's my that's kind good. of heartfelt message. Right. <laughs> Agreed. It's very attractive, man. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, uh, I was like, this guy's based, man. I mean, listen, if everybody had that mentality and they're like, no, 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 we're fed yeah. up with your exactly. bullshit and we're fucking done and you're not taking our fucking kids anymore then we would be in a whole other ball game. Here, here. We would. We would be. We need more of him. Less balls on the chin and more in the place they're meant to be. Yeah, well, and it's like, it's like, yeah, less, less chin balls and more real balls. Big balls. We need more big balls. Not, be a bugger not, to shave those. Yeah, in a, in a, in a, a metaphorical sense, right? The ladies in this in this forum have more balls than most of the guys I know. That's for damn sure. So, but no, I mean it's like the too right, mate. That's fucking right. <laughs> but you know, I I I 
tend to think that it's okay to be a little bit pissed, right? Part of the gaslighting has been convincing men that they should just shut the fuck up and and go along to get along, right? Do whatever your woman says, no matter what, because, you know, happy wife, happy life. It's like, I don't know. I was just going to say that. Yeah, that's a yeah, really bad like, one, that one. Oh, some, that sometimes, sometimes it's okay to be a little bit counter, a little dissident, a little against the grain, right? Sometimes it's okay alpha. to say no. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Right. More people need right. to learn the word no. For fucking sure. Yeah. A little alpha male is uh, is a good thing sometimes. And certainly the masculinity uh, has been stomped out of men, a lot of men. Um, or at least the attempt has been made in a lot of different ways. So I, mm-hmm. I don't I don't disagree with that. Well, I don't have a whole lot else. Um you know, I did hear there was a uh, a protest at the Capitol, uh, a pro, what is this? I think this is Israelis for Gaza, which is kind of crazy, crossing lines, right? And, you know, last I knew, when you hold a protest at the Capitol, it's called an insurrection, but I don't think they went that far with this one. So, well, Mike, before you play that, I did want to yeah. say that some people were saying that. Um, now, I my understanding is that there was a capital protest that that like breached the capital grounds, and then there was another one, a little more recent, that was a White House uh, grounds mm-hmm. breaching, but. I did hear people like Marjorie Taylor Greene say this is an insurrection and they should be arrested. Now I took extreme (laughs) um, umbrage to that because people protesting nonviolently should not be arrested just because the people of J six were had the book thrown at them. And and that was a sigh up to begin with, like who knows what was even real with that, but I don't want that done to people that I don't agree with. Now I would say like, I likely am not agreeing on many issues with queers for Palestine. Okay. This particular issue, I, I think we probably have some common ground, but in general, I don't, I probably find most of those people a huge pain in my ass, but I still don't want them arrested for, for free speech because it sets a very dangerous precedent for all of us. And I saw a lot of people like, yeah, throw them in jail for 30 years. And I was like, Oh. I'm I'm assuming that most of those people were being intentionally facetious, just like I was, right? Like I I agree fully. Yeah. I agree with what you just said. Uh, when I say last time I checked, it's called insurrection. I'm totally being facetious. Yes, I don't right? I don't think that at all, Mike. That you that you really meant that these people should be locked up. But I took what I saw online. People seemed serious. However, you make a very fair point. Who the fuck knows? Yeah, when you read a comment, who knows? Um, I assume if they're right-wingers being like, throw them in jail forever, I, I think they're being intentionally sar- like sarcastic, facetious, whatever. Um, drawing the obvious connection to J6ers who did get the book thrown at them. Um, but this, I, I find the framing that these uh, news anchors using, it, it's very... It's very telling. Um, they refuse to say protest at the Capitol. 
Okay, check this out. Start with some breaking news on the Capitol. A Jewish group holding a protest uh, inside uh, inside the office building there, uh, where Jay O'Brien is, just outside the Capitol. Jay, what's going on behind you? Yeah, guys, the U.S. Capitol is a big complex, so where we're standing is an office building just off of the Capitol. It's where members of Congress have their offices, and this is where the press sets up their cameras. And this is what came just about a half hour ago, a little bit less. You can see demonstrators, actually, Greg, at the tip of my finger there, starting to get removed now by U.S. Capitol Police. These are just the second round of demonstrators that we've seen forcibly removed. Another group was occupying this place where I'm standing at the moment just a, a, not long ago, and Capitol Police removed them because this is where the press sets up their cameras. There were actually some, because they refused to move, were dragged out of here. This is, again, a group that say on the back of their shirts, uh, shirts excuse me, Jews say ceasefire now. There's another sign. You can't see it. It's a little catty corner there that says, let Gaza live. It obviously comes in the midst of that ongoing war between Israel and Hamas. It also comes, as you guys mentioned, during a very tense time politically here in the Capitol as Republicans are struggling to pick their next Speaker of the House. And there was pressure on Republicans, they say, to get it done quickly because of ongoing turmoil in the Middle East. And certainly now this development today on what was already a packed political day here at the Capitol. Well, Jay, definitely uh, stick around. We will get back to you a little uh, later in the program. Okay. So, yeah, it was it's Jews who say not in my name. They're saying, you know, um, fight. I, I read one of the banners. It said um, mourn the dead and fight like hell for the living. So these are Jews calling for a ceasefire. So, hey, you know, th these are people I can probably like have a reasonable conversation with. You know, um, and I, I agree with with what you're getting at, Ashley, like. They have every right to peacefully protest in the Capitol. And it's only obvious to draw that connection to the J6ers that were fucking had their, their lives ruined, right? And not only that, but they, they did not have their human rights respected. I mean, but you're, you're mm -hmm. supposed to have a right to a speedy trial. You're, um, you know, you had a lot of these people that were put in solitary confinement. That's not humane. I mean, uh, so I, there's a lot of problems, but concerning this particular message, Hey, I hope that it sank in with some people. I hope some people saw it and they were like, Oh, all Jewish people don't want to turn Gaza into class because the rhetoric out there from like Ben Shapiro, Laura Loomer, and a lot of other dangerous talking heads right now is that, that they want, they want blood, you know, they want war. And, um, so I really hope that some people, are waking up to this. And I think I've said this pr probably ad nauseum, my apologies, but I thought that I was on the same page with a lot of people in the, uh, on the right. There was a lot of overlap, even though they're not like totally, you know, they're not where I'm at, but I thought that they had the ability to see through the PSYOP. They saw through Ukraine. They saw through the MRNA injections. They saw through, you know, most of the scamdemic, all that stuff. And and then it was like the one thing that came up that was their issue. And they were just, they were back to square one. Like they forgot all of that. They spent all, how many years did they, did they spend saying fake news, 
fake news. Uh-huh. We don't trust corporate America, fake news. Well, yeah. as soon as it serves their talking point, then they're sucking the dick of fake news after everything they've been through. I totally. can't, I, I just can't get over it. Well, well to be, to real, be real fair, quick, real quick, Fido, I just want to tell everybody I looked it up on the ADL website. Jews for ceasefire has been labeled an anti-Semitic group. So I just wanted to cover that real quick and I'll pass it down to Fido. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, um, to be fair, Ashley, to all of your friends who can't see past the, the PSYOP for Israel-Palestine situation, whatever, um, to be fair, all of that stuff going on over there in the Middle East is actually quite confusing to a lot of people. They don't fully understand it because there is a lot of intertwining, a lot of backstabbing, a lot of double crossing. And it is hard to to view the whole situation over there unless you've actually really paid attention to what's happening or studied up on it and the history of that whole region. Because that whole region, even just the the archaeology and the just the ancient history of that area is just really complex really convoluted sure. so and um, I, I i just really quick fido i want to say i do yeah. agree with you that it, it, it really is a very complicated situation but for me what isn't complicated is that we've all been being lied to and most of us recognize that for at least the last four years and they knew that these people had an agenda and they knew that they weren't telling them the truth but this time they went right. straight to the emotion of yeah glass them instead of like, hmm, maybe I should just step back on this one. Maybe I should just ask like a couple of questions, use a little or bit maybe of, even of do a little thinking. bit of research before I come yeah. to a conclusion about everything. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Yeah, the um, you know, just the 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 knee jerk response to just trusting all of a sudden that the news is telling us the truth, what's coming out of there. That to be honest though, what I heard, the first thing I heard about all of this was we don't have all of the information and everybody's jumping on the, well, they were either jumping on the, uh, I fully support Israel bandwagon or on the let's stop for a moment and think about this. Cause I did see a lot of people calling for, um, uh, reason and looking at the facts before you make a decision, which was really strange to me because most people, they just jump on it and just, go with whatever the, the news is saying because they don't understand what's going on over there. But a lot of the, a lot of the posts that I saw like on, um, on Twitter and, and other places, they were calling for people to not trust what was coming out of there. Um, uh, as far as people I know personally talking about, nobody really is talking about it. Um, either they don't want to talk about it or they don't know what's going on. So they just don't say anything. But most of the, the talking points that I've seen coming out about what's going on over there have come from like online posts and uh, social media. Um, most people in my personal circle aren't really discussing it. But um, I did have one person ask me what I thought about it all. And I said, it's all bullshit. Um, it's probably not what they're saying that it is and that they're going to, somebody's going to die. There's going to be a group of people that dies and it's going to be really, really horrible. Um, and I'm not looking forward to that day when that finally does happen. Um, it's just, I don't think that uh, throwing your full support behind one side or the other without all the facts is a wise move. I did have one friend who 
who posted on her uh, Facebook page about supporting Israel. And, you know, I, it kind of bothered me because um, she's a Christian and I think there's a, there's a, there is a large majority in Gaza right now that are Christians. And so when you say that you fully support Israel doing what Israel has to do, that also means that you fully support Israel killing a bunch of your brothers and sisters in Christ. And I don't think that's right. I think that you should not be advocating for war. Nobody should be. Um, and that uh, we need we need to call on our leaders to find a a diplomatic solution of this if it is all possible. But nobody's even trying. And I don't trust our leaders to begin with. So I don't have much faith that anything good is going to come out of any of this. But that's just me. So. <laughs> You're not going to see any leaders try to resolve this because no, this is all part not. of the plan. There, there's too much money to be made. Um Again, it's just it's what I think should happen. But again, what I think it should happen is not going to happen because, you know, that's too much like right. So they're going to do whatever they can to make more money out of the situation. And all the uh, the money grubbers are coming out and and the, uh, the the propagandists are coming out in full force. And while all of that's going on, while everybody is completely distracted. Nobody's talking about all the new information that just came out that shows that the COVID shots were completely contaminated with plasmid DNA and SV40. I played that video in my uh, Discord server, and uh, I can I can send you the link, Mike, and if you want to mm -hmm. share it around. But there, I mean, this well, we, is we covered that pretty well. I would figure, yeah. right? But, uh, yeah, I mean, while everybody is all distracted with those yeah. Israel-Palestine stuff, uh, nobody is even paying attention to the fact that there's a few scientists out there that finally proved all of us right and vindicated all of us when we all said there was something wrong with those COVID shots and we shouldn't take it. This guy has the mathematic uh, scientific reports to back it up, and he shows that those shots were contaminated and that is what's causing all of these problems with all these people and he can prove it. And that's the biggest story. That's what people should be focusing on. But no, they're, they're focusing on something that is old news. So Israel's doing what they've always been doing. They're causing problems. Like they've always been causing problems. Hamas has been causing problems. Like they've always been causing problems. None of that is new. What is new is we have evidence that the U S government basically poisoned its citizens and people around the world with with the Pfizer shots, and there's there's no one talking about that. Before we totally leave the Israel thing, I think if we're going to move into another thing, oh, I don't know, are we? Um, the, the only leaders that we're going to see stepping up to try to resolve anything that that's going to be the ones that they set up because they know that every now and then we need a hero, and if you want to go even further and deeper. In a um, in a in a belief system sense, there's going to be an antichrist who will seem like the hero, the really good guy who's just going to come in and solve right. everything. Yeah, let's not go into all that right now. But um, that's a whole other. The show. heroes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, totally. A few, probably a series. Um, but uh, yes, the heroes that we have generally are the ones that they give us around about the right time, and because they kind of know the social temperature, the litmus tests, etc. They know, okay. We're at this point. Now it's time to send in a hero. Um, that's what I believe. It's all a very carefully thought out plan. 
Well, Ashley shared us a uh, a clip here. Should we play this, Ash? What do you say? Yeah, I thought that it goes to, um, so Stella and I have, have shared this video, talk to each other about it um, <clears throat> through the week, but I thought that it was a really good point because somebody that's definitely high on my shit list right now is Warpig Ben Shapiro. And this get has a, an extremely fast explanation of what he thinks of Jesus Christ. And yet, and I, I put this in our chat, Christians are, you know, they have his back. And at the expense of Christians in Gaza, just like what Fido was saying. So um, it's really, it's pretty crazy. And I highly recommend the entire video. It's a really good explanation of, um, you know, quick explanation of what's going on over there and, and some of the history. I highly recommend it too. Right on. I'll, uh, I'll put a link in the, in the show notes. Here we go. Feel. Point of view where we don't believe in the divinity of Christ. I right. think that the, there you can make an argument that the the gospels which were written he was just a prophet and right? no 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 we don't even believe he was a prophet what do you think he was what do you guys I, think i mean was? i what i what do i think he was historically i think he was a jew who tried to lead a revolt against the romans and got killed for his trouble but just like christians there are certain sects of judaism that believe one thing and other jews believe something else so jews who follow the babylonian talmud a rabbinical text are taught that there is a distinction between jews who are considered the chosen people in Jewish theology, and those who are not Jewish. The word used to describe the non-Jewish, including Christians, is goyim or goy. It is a derogatory Yiddish term meaning cattle or beast. Often, Look at us, a bunch of goyim, a bunch of beasts, a <laughs> bunch of animals we are. Yeah, and they're shoving us full of just, you know, they're just, um, what do they call it? Um, oh, not dousing, drowning. Um Oh, you know, when they put sheep through the the dip. <laughs> uh, like de-lousing? Yeah, all that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> Shoving needles that in was, the was That was not helpful to you, Stella. Sorry. Ah, oh, look, it's all good. <laughs> yeah, like cattle. That's what they look at us as. I mean, they can, they can look at me however they want. Like, I'm just going to keep being me, just... Don't put me in a cattle shoot and I won't have to shoot back. You know? Sure. Yeah. I just wish people had more, uh, you know, I just wish they were, they were thinking about this a little bit more clearly because my, I have been getting, uh, most people in my life have not said anything about it, thankfully, because I don't want to hear it, especially because 99.9% .9 chance it's going to be garbage but i do have some friends and we have gotten like a couple of like babylon b memes which babylon b is heavily uh israeli at the moment and i i was like i don't even know what to say this i don't want to say anything to this because this is i don't agree with this at all but i also don't want to fight with people over text um but i'm, I'm highly disappointed I think it's okay to carry our disappointment privately and be just, just you know, we don't sort of have to have a whole lot to say about stuff all the time. I mean, even though <laughs> probably the worst offender, but, you know, I mean, we should be just okay with being um, not really having an We don't have to have an opinion. Remember? We don't have to. <laughs> yeah, well, my thing, though, is once again, these are people who saw 
so it's it's not that your opinion is different in my than mine. It's that your programming has been triggered and that you mm. don't have you were with me the whole time. No, we're not doing no, no, Operation Warp Speed, no, P- scamdemic, all this fake news. Oh, yeah, really? Ukraine, Russia, all of that you saw through. And then all of a sudden here, you have no ability to do any critical thinking. You just go fall back in line with the corporate press that you know has been lying to you for the past however long. So that was the problem for me. Not that you have an opinion, like a well thought out understanding, a nuanced understanding of the history or whatever. And you really think that Zionism is the right thing. It's that, no, you knew what was going on and yet you still automatically jumped on the bandwagon for Israel. That was what was uh, the hard part for me. It's like, I thought you guys could see through this shit. Nope. Yeah. I've noticed that a few times lately, actually Um, uh, the opposite opinions coming from people I would have thought okay well you thought this about this so so yes I've noticed that a lot lately funny you should say Anyone I else? think I think this one this one kind of threw people through a loop because it's very deep-seated programming like a lot of folks who were right about COVID are wrong about Israel I mean I think most people are wrong about Israel whether they're pro-Israel or pa- pro-Palestinian I think most of them are all wrong about their reasoning. I mean, I won't say all wrong, but I don't I, yeah, look just on that subject what is yeah. right and what is wrong because there's so many right. different aspects of it. Like and the, and there's so many different kinds of Jews. You've got Christian Jews, you've got secular Jews, right. you've got the um, you know, traditional sort of more tr- traditional practicing Jews. You definitely just like everything else cannot put them all in one basket. You can't mm-hmm. say the Jews did this because it's only a certain kind or a certain type and most of them aren't religious anyway. They don't care. They'll kill their own. Um, they're just, they're not, they're soulless, basically. Well, um, this, this, so this is why I thought no the, right and wrong. this is why I thought the, the theme should be like ethnocentrism where just like grouping all Jews together is incorrect. Grouping all black folks together is incorrect. Grouping all white folks together is incorrect. Mm. These, these games get played on us mm-hmm. where we're told to be ethnocentric so that we respond predictably right it's like it doesn't matter who's right and wrong we just want you to do what we expect yeah and one of the things uh the things that richard grove was saying today in our autonomy lesson was how about team human so i think this is a side that we can all get on stop fucking bombing each other stop killing people and let's treat each other like we're human and maybe we can negotiate and figure something out amongst yourselves but number one i I, so basically my my take on the what's the right side the right side for me is anti-war 100 um that's where i think you know it at least needs to start and then i'm definitely anti them getting anything from the United States because we know where that money comes from, you know, so no money to the Middle East from us. Hell fucking no. So that's the side that I am on. No war team human. Stop taking my fucking money. And as far as opinions go, you know, on that whole situation, if all you ever, the only information you've gotten about that whole situation is from the mainstream news, you have no idea what's going on over there because they are only telling you what they want you to hear. If unless you have actually researched the history and 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 ancient um, 
interactions of that whole area and specifically with Israel and Jerusalem and all that, unless you've actually read um, any information about that prior outside of what the news tells you about that area, you really shouldn't try to formulate an opinion because you really need to look at all sides and at the history of that whole area before you even try because you're just yep. going to sound dumb because you have mean? no idea what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And, um, and listening to people like Ben Shapiro, oh my God, that guy just drives me up the wall. I can't even the hardly worst. listen to him. I cannot stand him. He, he talks too fast. He talks too much. And, um, well, I have, you know, if you talk really I fast, have, people think that they, that you you might know what you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, him and his eyebrows. Yeah, he always looks at you like 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 weird, like with his chin down. <laughs> it's it's very unnerving. I don't like it. Well, when that, I mean, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, you're fine. <laughs> you're fine. It's fine. Oh, sorry, Fido. You did you still want to? I'm say? I'm done. That's it. That's all yeah, I got to say. <laughs> Merging the masses. I mean, merging the masses breaks down any sort of bonds, doesn't it? Because um, it just dilutes everything. So that's what helps everything to become like a hive mind. Um, All foundations are destroyed and nobody's allowed to have anything unique because it might be offensive to someone else. I mean, you can see how it's all been engineered. Mm -hmm. Uh, I remember the very first time I heard the BLM thing movement. Must have been, what was it? Must have been about April or May 2020, wasn't it? I think it was April. Um, Anyway, the very first time I heard this, I think it's when I was still vaguely on Facebook and people were going, Black Lives Matter. And I was like, what? What? Where's this come from? And I just, my instant response was, hang on a minute, all lives matter. And boy, yeah, as soon as I realized that I was being thumped for that, I realized, okay, I've really got to get the hell off Facebook right now because I can sort of see this is going to be big and I need to get off. You're a white supremacist. That's all there is. It wasn't even at that point, at that point. (laughs) <laughs> it wasn't at that point at that point. Uh, I'm talking about Australian friends too. So we're, we're a little bit behind and um, we also, it's so fake over here because as I was saying before, we don't have a whole lot of black. Um, I mean, we, we haven't had a whole lot of black uh, people in the community. Like it hasn't been, I mean, there's certainly it's, it's growing, but not like in America or, or the UK for instance. So it's sort of, it's not organic here. It, it had to be engineered as well, you know, for people to, I mean, we've got the, we've got the Aboriginals, of course, and of course that's fanned into a great big thing, but um, that's a whole other story really. But yeah, I don't think many people were really thinking too much about that issue before this came along. And then all of a sudden these young people, you know, some of them that I know um, were, you know, putting their fists up in the air and fucking going to all the protests and it's like, ah, oh, dudes. Hang on a minute. <laughs> you got to see through this. Mm. But no, nah, just swept along. So. Hey, I got swept along. You know, I was I was well on my way to being sort of red pilled. But even I like got swept up. I don't like seeing a cop with his knee on a guy's neck for no. 10 minutes. You know, Fair like enough. that that bothered me. And and yeah, emotionally, I responded, um, you know, but I I think we have to be extremely suspicious anytime identity politics gets kind of weaponized for a narrative uh for any reason and i think really maybe the solution is sport right like i actually love the olympics as a as a thing that people come together and compete 
right? And as long as we keep it fair and we don't have Leah Thomas ruining the fun for everyone, I'm all about sport. And my favorite sport right now is something called combat juggling, okay? I think I've mentioned this before, but this to me is too fun. We have one other funny thing to wrap up on that Stella shared in the chat. Don't worry, Stella. I'm going to pull that up next. But I just thought, you know, if we want to end on a high note with some hope in our heart, maybe we just need to get all of the world leaders, you know, like fuck the UN, like let's all just have a big combat juggling tournament. And I don't know if we decide any world policy in the process, but I just kind of want to see all these fat fucks try to do something physical for once. Uh, but check this shit out. Combat juggling. I mean, this shit is bad in a good kind of way. This is a sport of combat juggling, an aggressive form of object manipulation combined with debilitating attacks. Each player must maintain control over three clubs at all times. In sumo combat, the objective is to destroy your opponent by slashing their clubs to the ground or shoving them out of the sumo circle. In breach, 30 clubs are in motion at the start of each round, but only one player needs to maintain control until they reach the breach zone. Here is Sayers trying to lock up the arm of Ben Thompson on the right as two of his own clubs trying to steal now two-point advantage. 14 parallels. You know, the temptation to smash the other guy in the face must be overwhelmed. Quick attempt by Josh Horton. Horton dove in. Lauga Benjaminson was waiting for him. Four consecutive points now for Team Intel. All right, that's that's probably good. My question is the same as that commentator, and I got no answer. Why don't you just club the guy and take all his pins, you know? I'm guessing that's a foul. What do you think? Yeah, I'm going to guess. It's pretty mind-blowing, though, honestly, because I can't even imagine juggling, like, not even three things. So to have to, like, that was bowling pins? Well, they're juggling pins or juggling clubs. I don't know what you call them, but yeah. Oh, it's certainly a very impressive skill, isn't it? But I, yeah. man, I wouldn't last five minutes. There's no way I could have my head up like that. But then it's it's probably a good thing because it most people have their heads down all the time on a phone, so it's probably quite a good counteracting exercise. Everyone well, should you, do it. Have you all have you all <laughs> seen the extreme tag? They've got extreme tag now too, where you're playing literal like tag you're it. Uh, but in like an obstacle course, it's it's yeah, wild. Shit. It's yeah. insane. It's like parkour uh, yeah. elements, right? Yeah, that yeah, is, yeah. that's Ooh. insane. That sounds fun. Yeah, so, they're moving like you you sell it. You would have to watch it. It's like you can't even describe it because it reminds me of how like animals move in the jungle. Yeah, right, right. It's crazy. Okay. Yeah. Well, that is how they train. I mean, I've seen a lot of those. Um, I don't know what it's called. It's not actually parkour, but there's some other movement stuff that they do. And, yeah, it's very much like sleeking cats across a, um, a floor and slithering things. <laughs> it's really cool, actually. Very stretchy. Yeah, it's very neat. And uh, I would not want to have one of those people coming at me, though, like flying at me. It's crazy. <laughs> it would be very creepy. I think I think there's a case to be made, though, that we need more, like, blood sport. And I think no holds barred, extreme combat juggling. Like tough, toughen everyone up again. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like er all these juggling clubs have nails sticking out of them, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd be awesome. Here, here. Yeah, because, like, I mean, the Aussies always have a bit of a laugh about you guys because you, you wear um, helmets when you're playing football and stuff. Oh, right, padding. right. Right. It's like, come on, take your helmets off, you pussies. <laughs> yeah, I'd like I'd like to hear oh, him no. say that when they've got like a six you know, six foot, six inch, three hundred and fifty pound, you know, American linebacker, <laughs> corn fed, you know, cornbread fed black dude. <laughs> I couldn't help it. Lot, but... <laughs> big big balls on his chin. <laughs> you know, the, these guys they can run, man, and they can hit hard. Oh, I don't flatten you like a pancake. I don't disparage any any of those guys for wearing pads. I get rugby is a different kind of sport, but mm. I'm no, just saying, it. yeah. Yep. Um, but no, no. Kid, I'm kidding around. <laughs> they're half-ass gladiators. We just need full-ass mm. gladiators. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not opposed. I'm not opposed to any of our congressional leaders having to engage in trial by combat before they get yeah. up and run with fat mouths of hundred percent Capitol Hill. Yeah, nailed it. I like that. Nailed it. <laughs> If you can make so, it through the trial by combat, then you can say whatever you want. Yeah. So this is a thought, probably for another time, because it's a big topic. But while we were on the subject of football and, like, tackling American football, whatever, I have been curious if the whole CTE thing is some kind of psyop. And if it is, what is the angle, right? Because the CTE issue was made a very, very big deal and got its own documentary, <clears throat> own documentary and um, – uh, changed all these protocols in the NFL, although no one was ever really held accountable, blah, blah, blah. And so I have been curious because I was really enthralled with that subject when it first came out. And I was like, what, this is insane. But in the years since I thought about it, I was like, okay, it got its own HBO documentary. It got the Will Smith treatment in a Hollywood movie. What's the play here? So maybe we could talk about that sometime. What's CTE? chronic traumatic encephalopathy and it is brain damage that happens particularly in combat sports but is not visible in a western medicine like a traditional brain scan it's allegedly you can see these tau proteins in a certain part of the brain and you can only see that in an autopsy after they're passed. However, their behavior may be indicative of them having CTE, which would be um, like early onset dementia, Alzheimer's type behavior, addictive behavior, like being hooked on pain pills, stuff like that, um, as well as violent to others and sometimes yourself. So there've been a handful of suicides that happened from NFL players. And, you know, that's always the question of uh, if, hearing, if that's what happened. Okay. I'm hearing quite a few different things being excused for Alzheimer's lately. So I'm just wondering, is this well, a cover for... No, <clears throat> this was before the thing, the totally oh, okay. safe and effective right. thing. Because I, believe me, I'm with you, but this was many years before that, or um, I would have been considering the same thing. But in the mm -hmm. documentary that I watched, um, people were behaving erratically for years and these are like older nfl okay. players so maybe they were like in the 70s and 80s and so they had an untimely death but very bizarre uh behaviors and failed home life leading up to that point think of oj and uh mike tyson you know yeah mm. 
Yep. CTE, I mean, am I wrong in saying it's a fancy way of saying you got hit in the head a bunch? Yeah, it's brain damage. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you look at the, the knocks they take. How could you not have it <laughs> right. repeatedly? Yeah. Even at training, yeah. It's no excuse for murdering your girlfriend and shit like that, but hey, at least yeah. it's an excuse. Might not well, be a good one. <clears throat> yeah, it's an interesting. Well, that's why I even brought it up because I would like to see what, with a little looking into it, what this group thinks about it because I think that it's interesting. So why are we just now hearing about it? Yeah, well, this is pre-COVID times, but why was it allowed into the four at that time? Now, was that the money machine, which is like the NFL? They also are in bed with the um, the government, military, all that stuff. So was it them trying to get in? you know, get in front of and ahead of the issue or was it something else? I, because I've wondered what has been the play. It certainly, <clears throat> excuse me. It certainly is never, um, whenever you have like an HBO documentary and you have a film made about it, it normally is there for a reason. Yes. 100%. Well, I, I'm tempted to say, you know, maybe we wrap this some bitch up. Mm -hmm. uh, Stella, you shared a link in the uh, in the comments here in the private chat uh, for something called Metal Trump. Is this worth showing? It looks it looks like it might be. Yeah, I tossed up putting the actual Aussie and Black Sabbath um, version of War Pigs on, but I thought, no, I'll probably get a copyright for that. I mean, we haven't mm -hmm. got a copyright for this one, but I think it's less chance. And it's educational purposes. Yeah. Okay. So. All right. Let's see what this has to teach. Oh, it just looks like a fun way to finish. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Generals gathered in their masses. <laughs> oh, my God. Just like witches had black masses. Hell, yeah. <laughs> Evil finds that plot destruction. Sorcerer, the death construction <laughs> in the fields, the body burning. This is a beauty as the war machine keeps turning. Death and hatred to mankind, poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, Lord. <laughs> this is great. I loved the brief moment where it had a picture of, of Trump shaking Ozzy's hand. Yes. <laughs> they actually met. It was fantastic. <laughs> we might get a copyright for this. Yeah, but um, I don't give a fuck. Okay, let's go. Politicians hide themselves away. They only started the war. Why they go out to fight? They leave that war to the poor. Yeah. Make America medal again. Are you ready? <laughs> you ready? You like it? You sure? 
<laughs> Time will tell on their power minds. Making war just for fun. Treating people just like pawns. Yes. Wait till the judgment day comes. Yeah. We will make America metal again. Thank you. God bless you, everybody. Thank you very much. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Good <laughs> Good call, Stella Q. I yeah, fucking that was love great. it. <laughs> Who made that video? Just like to shout out to Lars von Retriever for that one. Thank you very yeah. much. He's got way too much time on his hands. <laughs> That's so fucking funny. Yeah, that was great. Highly, highly enjoyed it. And I have had that song on my mind lately. For mm. obvious reasons. Oh yes. yes, yes. Well, you called Ben Shapiro a war pig earlier, so that's what was only natural. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. So well, um, yeah. What do you say? Should we call it a night? Yes, or I a day. So. In my case. Well, we'll send it around the circle. Um, I'll start. Mike the Polymath, Easy Peasy Podcast. For all of my links, you can go to easypeasy.ittybitty.tips, and I'll send it to Stella Q. Sounds like you said itty bitty tits then. <laughs> yeah, well, tips with a T-I-P-P-S. P-P. No, okay. wait, actually just one P, sorry. <laughs> okay, let's get it right. Yeah. Um, yes, I'm on the Union of the Unknowns with my good friend Ashley, and sometimes some others <laughs> join in. And uh, we've got a we've got an interview with Mike coming up fairly soon. Um, OG is next, actually, I believe. Yep, I think I so. I'll see about that. Um, we also do a weekly show called Not Your Mama's News, which is um, we just try to uncover some of the silliness and the clown worldness and the propagandisms and uh, laugh in the face of tyranny. Yes. Uh, sometimes I'm on the propaganda report. That's all very spontaneous. Over to you. We'll go around the circle. Ashley. Stella, will you ask me the question? This is no, for you, I wanna, Andrew. I want to okay. do it. I want to do it. Okay. Oh, okay. And, and Ashley, how do we find the union of the unknowns? Well, Mike, I'm glad you asked. You can find us at unionoftheunknowns.com. That's our link tree page. And all of the myriad ways that you can get in touch with us, including the link to our Discord, and we would be very happy to have you there. You can find me running the Unknowns Twitter account over at, on Twitter at Union Unknowns. And Fido. Uh, you can find my stuff on, I'm back up on Bandcamp uh, temporarily um, at phytophiliac.bandcamp.com. I have a huge announcement to make, but I'm going to have to wait till next week. So um, Ooh, I have, uh, yeah. So you can also find my music on all the major streaming platforms. And uh, sometimes if you listen carefully, you can hear it on Media Monarchy, uh, pump up the volume. That's yeah, pretty nice. much it. Hell yeah. Well, I appreciate everybody who could make it. It was a smaller group tonight, but uh, yeah. Another forum for the books. And it was a good one. I, I, I'll venture to say great. It was a great one. Just me and the ladies, you know? It's like, <laughs> like, what could you ask for? I'm, I'm, I'm a lucky guy. I'm a lucky guy. Agreed. 
<laughs> thanks, guys. Hey, thanks for coming. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to y'all next time. Thanks for listening. Talk to you later.